Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit TheReptileReport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is it's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our Buy It Now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the Marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use shipyourreptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship the reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit TheReptileReport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder. Then visit ShipYourReptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related. Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. Episode 233, and tonight, Owen, we are talking yes. a subject that you like to talk about. <laughs> you have my intrigue, and you've had it for a week now, so um, <laughs> yeah. I've been dying for this kind of a show, and it's really hard just to find somebody who has experience with this species, and of course, we're talking uh, white lip pythons, and I've loved white lip pythons till I, since I since I saw an adult uh female black face chase my friend around his snake room attempting to kill him. So it's just been I love it. And having Ryan on who has had success with this species, uh, is just even better. So I'm I'm all jazzed up for a white lip show and it seems like just from the message board that everybody else is too. It's like all of a sudden white lip fans are coming out of nowhere. So, <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah, they're uh, <clears throat> they're definitely lining up for this episode. Um, it's uh, it's pretty cool. We had Ryan on before, and we kind of talked yep. chondros and maybe a little bit, a uh, little bit other, a uh, few other topics. But uh, this show um, specifically kind of caught my eye. I was uh, cruising around Facebook. I saw that uh, he had posted up that he had another clutch of you know mm-hmm. white lip pythons. And from what, from my understanding, which I'm not too—I I mean, I know about white lip pythons, but not like you do or the white lip fans out there. So luckily, mm-hmm. I have you two uh, 
uh, go with me in this show. But um, uh, the uh, the southern form, um, which uh, is, is definitely uh, more difficult to breed, from from my understanding, mm. is that correct? Um, I think it. I don't know if it's more difficult. It it has been done less. So okay. I don't know if it, it, it wet lips in general, gold, black, north, south, east, west. I don't care what you call them. Um, in general, I believe are a little difficult, and it kind of goes with the they have to be compatible pair. You got to get at the right time, and it's one of those like a lot of shit can go wrong, and so that's kind of why. Um, and I believe that the blacks are a little bit on we're, we're a little bit on the rarer side in the in the United States collections. So okay, you know it just seems like. Uh, I guess from wherever they do their importations from, they seem to be able to go outside and fill a big box full of gold phase um, really easily, and then like three or four black phase, and that's it. So of course yeah. that's changing recently, but whatever. Yeah. So Ryan has been able to successfully breed this species uh, three years in a row, um, and it's funny. I was talking to uh, Scott Eper right before the show, and. Yeah. Um, he was saying that um, I guess everybody down in Australia has uh, mad respect for Mr. Ryan Young for his accomplishments, breeding some of the rarer uh, species of pythons for sure. So um, yeah, uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, it should be uh, should be a very interesting show. I don't. Leo Python is the uh, genus that they're in. Um, again, I don't what, know anymore because didn't they just change them? To Pithraucus, uh, I mean, like I thought they were moved over here or over there. They're they, the white lips are one of those things where it's like ever changing, and I haven't read the latest paper, so I don't know where they are right now. Because <laughs> I mean, if you go far enough back, at one point, white lip was in Liasis, and you know, it, 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 it's all over the place. Depending on what paper you're reading, is where white lip nomenclature is. So. Yeah, you know, now that you say that, I remember Nick posting something about Bop. Uh, some kind of, I, I can't Bop. remember. I don't know. It, it's the damn ring pythons, whatever the hell they are. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, they're, oh, they're, cla- word. They're, they're, they're classified with ring pythons? Yes. Both rotillas? Both rotillas, I'm sorry. Nah, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> I, I'm butchering it. Somebody like Nick is hitting their head against the table. Going yeah. moron, but it's okay. Um, I, I didn't take Latin, um, but uh, I think they said that they, the closest relative to the white lips were the rings, and I think at one point they were lumped in with uh, Timors and a few other pythons at the same time. Oh, I don't. But see now Timor pythons. I don't either. So now the Timors no. are with retics over yes. here, and the white lips are with ring pythons over here. I so, guess I could see that. I don't know. I've never kept ring pythons. They're like mini white lips. <laughs> so I could totally Alrighty. see that. Yeah, um, <laughs> so it's uh, at least that's what I think. If I remember, if I'm remembering the paper correctly, uh, somebody who probably is way more versed on it again is probably hitting their head against the desk with every word that I say. Um, <laughs> I apologize to that person. And uh, if you feel the need to correct us, please email at info at com, and we'll fix it <laughs> next week. 
we'll fix it in the mix. Um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to try. <laughs> well, I think probably Ryan won't be able to fix it right as soon as he starts Yeah, talking. but, you know, it's, every <laughs> once in a while when we get the guests on and, you, and the guest starts with you morons, you know it's going to be one of those shows. So I'm kind of trying to avoid that. So, right. I mean, we've had those in the past. <laughs> So yeah, we, yeah, right. We uh, we're gonna we're gonna have Ryan on, and what we're gonna just basically talk about is um, uh, basically you know maybe some natural history. Uh, talk on some of the what you know what kind of environment these are coming from. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Dan from DM Exotics posted up a video, um, and they have a new locality called uh, Tanamara, um, as opposed to the ones that have been coming in from Tamika. Um, and apparently, as opposed to just the blackface white lips that have been coming in forever, it's I don't. Well, my brain I think they can't wrap around this. <laughs> yeah, they they kind of look the same, but um, the difference the is but... that these these new ones from uh, Tana Tana Marrera, Tana, oh man, <laughs> Tana Marrera, um <laughs> basically they are uh, seem to be a lot chiller, um, you know. And if you watch that video that he posted up. Um, he's basically uh, taking them out, and they're real calm. And you know, he was showing but, that they were on heat, and it's not like that they were cold or something like that. But but uh, I've had I've had really chill blackface white lips, and then uh-huh. I've had psychos. So I've okay. had I've had both ends. Like I had a female that was really chill, and I had a male that was really chill, and then I had a female that wanted to rip your face off, and I had a male that was a torpedo with teeth. I mean, you know, it's. And then I had one that was, like, in the middle. It depends on what day you caught her on. So it's like, I wouldn't really, does that mean that the two calm ones were actually from this locale before we started calling it a locale? Well, I I don't know. I guess my question would be, as far as these locales that are popping up, is, uh, you know, are these uh, subspecies, does it fall like carpets? Is it subspecies? Are they species? I know that there's a whole bunch of um, different species of uh, white-lipped python. Five of them? Okay. I don't and know. I don't that paper again. Man, didn't so. you do any homework for the show? You're supposed I to be the white lip guy. Stop I'm it. revoking Stop your it. white lip Python card, too. That's it. it. It already was provoked when I got rid of them all, and now I'm clawing my way back. But <laughs> Stop it. Uh, but um, I believe that there's, uh, you know, because I remember reading um, the Barker's book, and... Um, right. The one that they did about the uh, the um, what was it called the uh, the, the invisible arc, <clears throat> right? And they did about um, I think there was forty two, forty two, forty five, and when I was counting them up, I couldn't couldn't remember all these different species of pythons. But then when I looked into the white lips, there was all these ones that I never heard of. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if any of those are in collections or if they were just zoo, well, uh, you know. In a jar. <laughs> well, there's that. That's unfortunately the the one where the one paper that I read, um, and I believe it was written by um, someone I'm not going to say their name. Um, the uh, we all know who I'm talking about. The um, starts. starts with an H. Um, so that they they looked at specimens in jars, and they kind of described the animals from that. And if you've ever been in a scientific setting where you've looked at specimens in a jar, some of these guys were preserved a while ago, and some of them may not have been preserved correctly. Plus, colors 
change when they're floating in liquid. So, I mean, a lot of them were basing off of scale pattern on the head or scales on the head versus build of the body. Um, but we've all seen baby pythons. They look really weird until they grow up. So you don't know what phase of the growth you were in. And the one was described as this bluish gray and one was described as this red. And you don't know if it's because of the dyes or if something went wrong with the fixing. So it's really weird, which is why everybody lost their minds when that one red white lip showed up the, this past year, which I want to talk about that one with Ryan too and get his idea on that one because everybody, oh, yeah, immediately, about that. Yeah, everybody immediately jumped to that it was possibly the Bennett's um, which they they described as kind of having a reddish tint to it, which I've never seen ever. So I don't know what it is. I don't know. Uh, I know some people were saying obviously he took a gold white lip and put it in a vat of Kool Aid for three hours <laughs> and took a videotape with it. So I mean I don't know. Um, and uh, it's really funny because when that video premiered. Um, I started counting the people who sent me the video and pictures of it and asked me questions. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, and it was like somebody would send me a text. They'd be like, "Congratulations, number sixteen. How are you today?" And they're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "You are the sixteenth person to text me. Congratulations." So it's like, yeah, uh, I wanted to get to twenty, but I think I got to like eighteen or something. I was, I was depressed. So that's all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Um, let's just throw this out there before we get Ryan on. Merlec, um, Ryan uh, runs um, his website is molecularreptile.com, so you can check it out uh, there. And he also has a Facebook page, uh, Miracular. Miracular. <laughs> molecular. Miracular. Yeah. I got Morelia. I'm just programmed to I say, say Morelia. The M word just come out. It's, uh, you can't. Molecular. Good, eloquent host. Just stumble through it half the time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm butchering uh, Morelia and molecular. <laughs> Just wants to say M O R, not M O L. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. We, so uh, we're yeah, you butchering can, Latin a little bit ago. So yeah, you can. Uh, I have the links in the show description. So if you want to check out what he has going on, um, I would also advise to check out the past episode with Ryan, and also check out uh, his uh, talk he did on uh, green. Tree Python Keeper Radio, TTP Keeper Radio, um, which was very good as well. Uh, we have the chat going along uh, over in the NPR chat over on Facebook. So if uh, we have some questions that have popped up, so as we're going along, and if you have any questions that you want us to hit on, uh, feel free to post them over. I'm going to do a little bit of an intro, then Owen will take over and I'll monitor the chat. So. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hey, Ryan, welcome back to uh, Morality Python Radio. Glad to have you back. We're ready to talk some white lip pythons. How you doing? Sure thing. You there? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You here? All right, good. Go. All right, cool. cool. So now that we butchered uh, everything about white lip pythons. Yeah, it's hard to follow that. No, it's very easy. Just call us idiots and move forward. So it's, yeah. <laughs> Stick to Morelia, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's oh, for me. Man. So let's let's start at the very beginning. I mean, let's talk about uh, maybe a little bit of natural history on these guys. Maybe you can clear up the, you know, uh, I know one of the questions that we had in the chat room is, 
why does everybody refer to them as black and gold phase as opposed to the actual species name and northerns and southerns and why don't they use what where are they in uh nomenclature where do they fit in what is what is the deal with them um well i guess the uh the latest genetic work pretty much shows that they're they should be aligned with Bothrochilus, which is the ring python. The you know it used to be just ring python in that genus, but apparently it uh, shows what I've felt for a long time <laughs> that ring pythons and white-lipped pythons are closely related. So to me, it's Bothrochilus, but to some people, okay. it's still Leopython. So it just depends on which author you are talking to and which one they want to go with at this point. Gotcha. Yeah, I can see the uh, the resemblance to them and ring pythons for sure. Um, so, I mean, there's not a whole lot of information out there about where they're from or what kind of environment they're from. I mean, can you maybe expand our info on that a little bit? Um, there's really not a lot of published information. So you, um, one of the most published people in the field is uh, Mark O'Shea. And um, if you read some of the stuff he's written over the years, um, they're pretty much a lowland. I think, you know, they only go up a few thousand feet into the mountains. So they're pretty much a lowland animal. The northern species, the gold white lip, apparently is less habitat dependent as the southern species. Okay. So, um, that's why apparently the gold ones, you know, are a lot easier to collect. They aren't. Mm-hmm. The, okay. From what he writes, the southern ones are very, very rainforest dependent. Um, closed canopy, rainforest dependent, water, you know, river courses, whereas the gold phase will, or the northern species will use a lot more habitat varieties. Yeah, you know, I remember an episode of uh, uh, Crocodile Hunter where Steve Irwin, was, I think it was called uh, Jungle in the Clouds was the episode, and basically he found a white-lipped python that was just cruising through the, it was like a stream as he was climbing up the side of the mountain, and there it was, just pretty chill. I thought that was pretty awesome. They're definitely, uh, so you would find these in the environment on the ground where you would find chondros? Is that um, I'm not sure exactly how they all intermingle. Um, mm-hmm. He publishes in the northern area. You, it was the most common python he encountered. Um, oh, wow. North of the dividing range. Uh, he said it wasn't uncommon to find, you know, four to six individuals in the night. They live around people, Jeez. apparently. Um, now, obviously, there's no carpets north of the dividing range that we know of. So, um, right. That might have something to do with it as well, but the uh, the southerns he talks that they were far less common and they did not occur where the carpet pythons were, so huh, which makes sense. They're more of a scrub, you know, not quite full blown rainforest like on New Guinea. Gotcha. Huh, that's interesting. Um, so, so I would imagine there was green pythons with both of them. Yeah, yeah probably. I mean, it's right in that area. So, have to be some overlap. 
Yeah, I would oh, think yeah. that they're more in the, you know, in the canopy and, you know, the white lips are more on the ground. Um so that would that would make sense. Um what about as far as um let's talk about what you're working with. What kind of group of uh snakes are you working with when it comes to white lip pythons? Uh I have a pair of the southern species and 2.1 of the northern species. Okay. Cool. Wow. So you you wow, you you've been lucky with. Do you think that the fact that um your animals are just dialed into your your environment or what do you equate your success with breeding them? Um, you know, for a couple of years I was, they were really frustrating me. They uh <laughs> would swell up huge with follicles and I thought twice I thought I had clutches coming before I actually produced them. So they were very humbling in that manner. <laughs> uh, but uh now I mean the last three years it's um I mean it seems simple but <laughs> I just like guess I'm lucky that they're, they're I wish yeah. I had a magic formula, I really don't. They uh they just kinda got dialed in. The first couple of times she cycled, um she would cycle fairly early in the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when I started actually cycling my room, um, you know, manipulating the environment to reproduce everybody else, it seemed like it would throw her off. And so uh, I think the first year she started showing follicular development in, like, August. And then the next time, the next year, she started showing it in, like, September. And mm-hmm. then the year that she actually went, you know, she didn't start showing it till October. So, gotcha. I just, it just took. Uh, I think it just took some consistency, and then I think I screwed things up. I, I thought she was gravid the first time, so I, mm. I cranked up the heat, and I don't think that helped. And uh, I thought, uh, and I stopped feeding her, and before she stopped eating, because I mean, I'd never seen follicles that big that weren't actually eggs. So it uh, really, really messed me up. Wow. <laughs> Threw me off. But, uh, so, and then I did the I did the rookie thing, you know. I thought, oh, I'm going to try a different setup next year and a different setup the next year. And well, I just got out of my own head and just said, you know what, treat them like everything else and forget about it. And right. They'll be fine. <laughs> they have, so. <laughs> what were you going to ask, Alan? Well, uh, Ryan, with your white lips, did you, uh, what age did you get them? Did you get them as juvies? Did you raise them up as from uh, babies? And are any of them captive born or are all yours wild collected? Uh, my female was wild collected, but she was pretty small. Um, yeah. So I don't, I, that really wasn't much of a hang up. The uh, male was produced by Matt Turner. Um, I didn't get it from Matt, but I got it secondary from the guy who got it from Matt. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he's captive bred. Um, I'm trying to think when I got him. I think I got him. I think I got the female, and it was the late, early 2000s, you know, before 2010, I believe. Probably like 2008, 2000, somewhere between 2005 and 2010. <laughs> somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I moved. 
I well, let me think. I had the female before yeah. I moved, and I moved in two thousand seven. So okay. I don't think I had the male yet. So I guess that would probably got the female in two thousand six and got the male in two thousand eight. Be my guess. Okay. And the golds? Uh, I got a female gold uh, a while ago. Um, had her since she was little. She wild caught the. Um, like two years ago, I picked up a male, um, and I just they, I don't think they like each other that much. <laughs> so I actually just got another male today. So it's, uh, oh. <laughs> so hopefully next year I'll have a, a male that maybe she'll like. But I haven't. Is, uh, oh. yeah. I don't. I mean, I have seen them copulate before. But only once, and she developed pretty good follicles last year, uh, but mm-hmm. didn't go. And this year, she's sitting there with big follicles. But I just don't. I don't have much faith in the pair because the gold, the black, uh, the black ones. When I put them together, they don't. I mean, they're never away from each other. They're like glue on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what other people I've talked to said their compatible pairs were like that. When I stick the gold yeah. ones together, um, you know, the next day I'll go in there and I'll find the male complete as far away from the female as he can get, or she's as far away from him as you know she can get. And I've only once yeah. called them locked up. So even if they're breeding, I don't know that they're they're breeding enough, or she likes him enough, or he likes her. I don't know. <laughs> so, so hopefully next year I'll have another male to see if if uh, if assuming she doesn't go this year. But, um, Huck that in the mix. Um, do 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 you feel the the best thing to do is to get them young and raise them up, or uh, is it just like yeah? I think any of the high strung species, like I think anytime you move them, it's a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it I think it takes years for the snakes to establish the rhythm with a keeper and so if you let's say somebody gets some they have them for two years can't breed them and they get fed up and they sell them to somebody else and that person you know new cages new environment probably completely new atmospheric conditions depending on where in the country they got you are yeah uh, i think it just resets their clock every time they get moved around um makes sense so, and I yeah. think that might explain some of the problems. Um, I know Matt Turner, when he sold his group, but I don't believe they did anything um, for the person who got them. But I think there was also a fire involved in their passing, I think. I don't know. I can't remember. From what I heard, yeah. Yeah, I heard something like that happened. But I don't really, like yeah. you, I don't really remember everything there. But, yeah, it um, seemed like Matt dialed his group in, got a couple of mm-hmm. a couple of years in a row, and then, you know, for whatever reason, moved on. And it's hard to say whether they would have continued to do well somewhere else or mm-hmm. if not. I mean, I, it would have been nice to to see how that translated. But in my opinion, I don't. I think that can set them back. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um so I guess for people who aren't aware, can you go through maybe some of the big differences between the northerns and the southerns, not just the way they look, but, like, behavioral-wise and things like that? 
Um, as a general rule, the Southerns um, overall seemed more more tractable. Most of the individuals are mellow, in my experience, with the mm-hmm. occasional psycho. Um, <laughs> with the Golds, um, I've probably had, I don't know, I've probably had eight, nine Golds. And yeah. I've had, I'd say roughly 50% of them are chill, and the others aren't too bad. Um as babies, both species, in my opinion, are pretty high strung. Um, yeah. But uh, they seem to mellow out. Structurally, the Southerns are a lot bulkier for for their length. It appears they have like a more blocky head, um, mm-hmm. a thicker body for the length. But and you hear people talk about that the Southerns and the Northerns, um, you know, the Southerns get a lot bigger. Um, Daniel and Chush published a paper basically showing that their average adult size was pretty uniform across the board. Mm-hmm. There may be truth to that, but in his sample size, it didn't come to fruition. My adult, my adult southerns and my adult northerns are probably about the same length, but the southerns are more bulky. So yeah, I, I, I guess I've seen... probably a potential for bigger size. But somebody in well, Europe posted a uh, northern, a gold phase that was, man, that thing had to have been eight, nine feet. It was huge. So. I, I had three northerns that were massive, and none of them had nice attitudes. It was, uh, the, the, I was not too upset to see them leave. But And then somebody has uh, a southern up on one of the classifieds. It's like a nine-foot boy or something like that. So they have the potential to get huge they just yeah they clearly do i've I've heard of a few nine foot specimens um you know i've never put a tape measure on one so i couldn't (laughs) not that big Um, yeah so i mean do you feel that that's a necessary thing like or is it like is it like with carbon anywhere near that big (laughs) (laughs) all right because that's the things where people always are like, you have to get them huge. Well, maybe not. So, no, my uh, my animals are uh, what was the female after laying? She was twenty three hundred grams. Okay. Um, I think she's one hundred and seventy centimeters. And the male's 158 centimeters, so they don't have to be that big. Yeah, I think uh, I think Chad Gray brought his uh, gold male or something to Tinley, and he wasn't that big. He was a, you know, just a, I guess a older boy, but he wasn't huge. So that's cool. Um, Ryan, can you go into like how you would set up? Uh, or what your suggest what your suggested setup for uh, a captive hatched or a wild caught white lip one you got and got straight out of the bush to kind of cut back on the stress levels. Uh, if you got a wild caught one, mm-hmm. is that what you're asking? Um, I would probably use a a tub to start with. Uh, keep you know keep it pretty calm. Put a couple hide boxes in there. Pot in, cool in. Keep it on paper till you get it cleaned out. Um, and then uh, other than that, they're usually 
not too not too bad. They're usually good feeders and uh, you know, just get start your deparasite treatments and mm-hmm. do all that stuff. So. Do you have any like uh, suggested food that you might want to try if uh, they're not taking a rat or a mouse right away? Um, I've never had any problem with any of them not eating mammals. They they uh, seem to be mammal eaters. <laughs> uh, I anything if if you think, if they won't eat something off tongs, if you just leave something live in there, they. They'll go they'll, for it. They'll eat it or at least kill it. So. <laughs> at least do that part for it. Okay. Um, how do you how do you have your other your how, what's your typical white lip set up at, at your place for your adults? Uh, it's pretty boring. I keep the uh, I have the golds <laughs> in CB seventies, and I have the uh, the blacks and um, the ARS tub that. 33 and a half by 23, 24 and a half, or uh, 26 and a half, something like that. The same setup I keep my blood pythons in. Okay. Do you, you think the tub is kind of like helping for, like, obviously the animal can't see you, so you think that's kind of helping with the whole stress level for these guys? Uh, the southern ones has a window in it, so okay. I don't, uh, they've, but I mean, I'm not in there all the time. They're out in the snake building, so I'm, you know, I'm only in there when I'm doing stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I really, I think it's consistency. I think cages would be fine. Any, any setup you offer them, as long as your the basic needs are met. Um, I think I honestly just think consistency is key. A compatible, a pair that likes each other and, and consistent. So you don't think, uh, I know that we've had a past guest on that sort of talked about um, the cage size, that they needed a lot of room and that they were very active snakes. Do you you don't find that to be the case? Uh, They're pretty active, uh, but I I mean, that's what I keep them in and they seem to do fine. And they're breeding, yeah. (laughs) Well, apparently, yeah. Would they do Apparently better in a bigger cage? I, it's hard to picture they would. Maybe the gold. Maybe that's my problem. I have them in CB seventies. Maybe I need to put them in the bigger tubs. But oh, that would be uh, weird. <laughs> if the gold face have to go into the bigger ones and the black ones can stick in the rack, eh, whatever. So <laughs> I think I don't think I that's think, my problem with the gold ones. So. I, I don't think so either. I don't think. Uh, but that's that's where you start overthinking crap, and then you end up like totally messing it up. So, yeah. Jesus. But uh, we also have heard from past guests that hydration and humidity could be an issue for these guys. Uh, oh, hydration is a big deal. I hate to admit yeah. that I killed the first uh, gold light if I ever had because uh, I. I was out of town for a couple of weeks, and I I filled everybody's water before I left, um, and uh, I didn't make sure somebody filled its water. I thought I was like the other ones. If it ran out of water for a couple of days, it wouldn't be a problem. Well, it turns out with white lips and ring pythons, that is a problem. So wow, um, yeah, make sure they have water all the time. That's uh, they don't they do not do well without water. So. 
All right, then. What about, like, humidity? Because I know that my guys, every once in a while, will go through a rough shed. Yeah, they're horrible shedders without high humidity. Yeah. Um, and uh, the problem with high humidity is, um, like, constantly damp conditions aren't good either. So mm-hmm. it's a balancing act. Um, so what I do is I have a five-gallon bucket that I've cut down to fit inside the the uh, cage and then uh, or the tub. And then I obviously make a hole in it, and I usually put moss or... Um, moss or cypress mulch inside that and I keep that humid like I spray that portion of the cage just inside okay. the hide and, then, and they're usually in the hide all day and then at night they're you know poking running around in the, um, and I keep them on aspen bedding on the other part of it So, but when they're in shed then I typically will spray the whole cage until after they shed okay that makes sense just to kind of not they look a lot better when they're, you know, kept. They're just their overall appearance, their sheen, their, you know, yeah. their their skin tone. They're just far more impressive when they're kept. Uh, they with do have that awesome resistance. So, well, okay, I could. See that. I mean, wasn't that one of the common misconceptions about bloods? Is that everyone kept trying to keep them like a swamp or something like that? So. Um, yeah, they they like it humid, too. They don't have very good sheds if it's not humid. But at the same time, I don't really, I don't worry about humidity. I don't sit there and measure it or try to say what the humidity is. Um, <laughs> that's, I've never, you know, you start trying to put numbers on things and you just can drive yourself crazy, especially up here. It's so fun and dry. So. Yeah. Okay. So with the... With breeding of the species, I mean, obviously you have had, like, three years of success where everybody else is. Not a lot of other people can say that. I mean, what do you think is the most important part of breeding the species? Most important thing, I would say, Mm -hmm. would have to be that you have them for a while and that you have the two, probably the two things that go hand in hand is, um, consistent conditions, consistent cycle times, and then a pair that like each other. Because um, it, I mean, it's at this point it seems very mundane and routine to breed the southerns for me because they just seem to be dialed in now. Uh, for a couple of years, I didn't think that they were, you know, making me pull my hair out. But a lot of that was my inability to read what they were telling me, and so uh, eventually I caught up, and they caught up, and it, just works now, but uh, I don't know. I wish I had a magic formula. I mean, I can tell you what I do. Uh, what works yeah. for me? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. My... <laughs> okay. So, but uh, but I mean, like, uh, go ahead. I mean, like, you know, uh, whatever you were about to say, go ahead, please. Oh, um, well, I. I... For me, where I live, I start cycling my snake room October 1st, come hell or high water. I don't care what's going on. Um, <laughs> I used to I used to balance, or I used to juggle, you know, when I cycled, I would cycle any, I would start cycling anywhere from October to November to December. I even started as late as January 1st before. And uh, I don't think that inconsistency, that start time change was good. So when I moved um, 
I noticed when I moved out here and I put my snakes, um, I had them in my basement in my old house, and now they have their own building. And in my basement, the temperature was entirely dependent upon what I told it to do with thermostats and heaters. Um, never, it never got hotter than I told it to because it was in my basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, when right. I moved and I put them in a building, um, the summers where I live can get into the hundreds routinely. Uh, the winters are bitter cold. Um, and my snake room, it freaked me out first couple times. The first summer I was out here, my snake room would get like 85 degrees during the day and it freaked me out. Uh, but the snakes don't seem to mind. <laughs> it's just the keeper that's freaking out. Uh, right. And I started to notice the fur within a little while. It's usually like late August uh, or all through August that that's happening. And my snake room would get as hot as you know, eighty five, eighty six during the day, and then back to eighty during at night. Um, but then winter co- usually. It usually goes from like summer to cold up here, so okay, it can be it no can be ground. it could be a hundred, you know, and then two weeks later it's you know into the sixties, fifties. So it's uh, I would notice that as soon as the cool down, the summer cool down started to happen, that uh-huh. my snakes were starting to develop follicles and acting like they wanted to start breeding. <laughs> I was like. I haven't even done anything yet. I haven't even cycled. <laughs> I haven't done so. That's why I just decided I'll just start October first, and yeah, that's it usually. You know, I, usually even by October first, I have uh, snakes already acting like they're well into being cycled and wanting to reproduce. And the black violets are the very first thing every year. So. She's laid every, I think it's been January, um, it was December, and then January and January again. She's laid two clutches in one 365 calendar year. Wow. Like, were you a little worried about how quick she was kind of throwing them all around? Yeah, I usually don't. I tried to give her the... Tried not to breed her the second year. Um, typically, I plan on reproducing most of my pythons every other year, and so mm-hmm. uh, I didn't put. Her, I think I put the male in there twice. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I kept watching her. I kept watching her grow huge follicles and sitting upside down. And I mean, she just was ravenous with the food. And and I thought, man, she's gonna just ovulate and do this if I whether I put the male in there or not. So I put them together twice. I think they locked up twice and she ovulated. So it was just, well, I guess it was meant to be. So, <laughs> Well, if you're going to do it, might as well. I mean, if she's <laughs> going to do everything for you, it's like, why not? So. Yeah, so now I just feed feed her good. And uh, if she wants to breathe, she can breathe as often as she wants. So. <laughs> she, seems to, she seems to bounce back really quick. It doesn't... It doesn't seem to take a lot out of her like it does some of the other snakes. So. Even though the like you you said the follicles were were huge, I mean even with those huge follicles and I guess which turn into equally pretty big eggs, it still doesn't doesn't wreck her that badly. 
No, it's. I mean, she looks pretty rough right when she lays them, but you yeah. take the eggs away from her and you know give her a fresh drink and rinse her off, and she usually eats a couple of days after she lays, and then it's off to the races. She just wants to eat and eat and eat. So it's wow. I can't. I mean, like um, she just shed. Um, looks. I mean, you wouldn't even know she laid, and the That's eggs awesome. are only a couple of weeks in. So. Wow. Now, as far as feeding goes, are you feeding um, every week? Is there a, is there a specific regimen that you're following? Uh, what size prey? No, I'm, I'm I'm not. I'm, I'm <laughs> I think the worst thing that ever happened to snake keepers was the schedule. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll feed, I, I, I've been known to feed her three times in a week, and then not feed her for a month, and then feed her once a week for a while, maybe twice a week, or maybe two times and then go two weeks. It's just kind of whatever I'm okay. doing, whatever snakes I'm planning on breeding the next year tend to get more food than the other ones. So, it's, okay. uh, And then wow. during the summer, I don't feed a terrible amount to anything. So, so coming uh, out of, coming out of breeding season is sort of when you sort of put the food to the female and then back off as they're getting closer. Yeah, I'll feed her. I'll feed her pretty heavily right now because um, she just laid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by by the time we're in the heat of the summer, since it does get so hot, my snake room I don't like to feed a lot. Right. Um, or big meals and stuff. So, and then I'm usually trying to grow up certain other snakes so they get the majority of the rats. I got and you. And right. after, you know, say late August through September, I'll go okay. Now it's your turn, and then I'll just hammer her with food. She's got huge follicles. So like, so. Okay. Or what do you, uh, size of prey-wise, large rat, something like that? No, 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 no. I feed her maybe small, mediums. Okay. Really don't make much of a lot. That's it. Wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't want, well, I don't want to, for one, I don't want a giant white lift. <laughs> so, there's definitely there's definitely there seems to be a correlation between the size of the food and how much they grow more so than how much you feed. Um, right. Okay. That's interesting. It, yeah, I like that idea. I like that approach. Uh, kind of smaller prey items. I have to stop feeding my white lips. Um, so, um, the uh, do you um. I totally lost my space here. It's gone. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about mate selective being selectivity. I mean, ha- I know you said that's a little bit important. I mean, have you seen where it goes bad, or have you seen it where uh, it can like they can almost can hurt each other? Um, I well, I've only got the only I've only owned um, three black white lips. Uh, one I had mm-hmm. when it was little and I didn't keep it, um, and then this pair. Uh, so I got okay. really lucky that this pair seems to really like each other. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have any experience with the southerns on that. The northerns, um, like I've said, they don't, they do not seem, they don't fight, they don't, you know, mm-hmm. but they don't hang out. They rarely, I think, like I said, once I've taught them on the same side of the cage and they were copulating, but, uh, it, it didn't, I don't know how to, how to explain it without sounding weird, but 
It didn't seem like they were doing it because they liked each other. Cause they were. They didn't enjoy they, it. They were not. They weren't all like you know intertwined and. I mean, it was almost like you know two hognose snakes where one's pointing one way and the you know they weren't really. <laughs> one's pointing the other. They, it was they, just didn't, they didn't. Business. They weren't cuddling. Yeah. Let's put it this way: it was not a lovemaking affair. So. Yeah. <laughs> let's get this over with. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't like you. You don't like me. But if we get this done, he'll beat us again. So yeah, all so right. We're like a, if I put the southerns together, they're like they become one snake. They don't. They're all over each other, intertwined. You can't tell where one starts and the other stops. Whereas the gold, typically, when I'd look in there, one would be on one side, one would be on the other. So they don't. They when do not do appear you, to like each other that much. When do you do the introductions? Like when do you put the males in with the girls? Do you do it during cool down, after cool down? Whenever. Um, I usually when I, I usually start cooling October first, and I'll usually start putting them together any time after that. Um, okay. The southerns are quick. They usually she usually has pretty good follicles before I even start cooling. Um, she's been she's been the first snake to lay for me all three years. She's laid, so they're usually well into it. I'm in fact I'm usually debating on if I have to turn the room heat back up because she's already ready to go. <laughs> so <laughs> she kinda throws a wrench in my my plans. Everything. <laughs> okay. Um what 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 are your um what are your temps? I mean when you when you drop them down, like what do you think the lowest is that you allow them to get? The lowest they probably get is 72, 74, typically. Okay. And, I mean, obviously you said, like, they were, um, uh, you said, do they still kind of do what they do normally? Are they, like, hiding in the in the hide box for the most of the day and then cruising around nighttime? Or do you see active yeah, it's, passing it's, and stuff when, like that? When they're together, they're usually just always, they're not, they're not as active when they're together because they're usually all over each other. Um, I noticed when, you know, their activity seems to be just about each other when they're together. So they're not really crawling around much at that point. They will squeeze into the bucket together. It's pretty, <laughs> when I, when I open the tub, I usually have to take one or both of them out to get the tub back <laughs> shut because they're so <laughs> get into the bucket. Well, a lot of the times during the summer, I won't even give them a hide just because, or when I'm breeding them because they just, the two of them in a five gallon bucket cut down to six inches just. There's a lot of snake and a very tight cord. So. In a very small area, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do have a question, though, as far as, um, you know, how do you balance, because I mean, you work with a multitude of species of pythons, how do you balance, um, you know, like cooling down and warming up with, with the different species, and how do you get that in tune to where you don't miss, um, you know, you were saying about how when you, you raise the temperature of the room, um, it might have affected the white lip pythons, um, whereas your other pythons may be in that rhythm. Like, how do you how do you balance that out? Any tips? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's tough. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure uh, trying to keep so many species from so many different geographic uh, areas and weather patterns. Uh, I'm sure that trying to do 
one recipe for all of them has probably cost me some success with certain species. And um, so I think, you know, you typically, if you if you've got, if you're trying to do it like me, you'll stick certain things lower in a room so they can get colder mm-hmm. during the winter. Because uh, even if I tell my thermostat, you know, go down to 72 at night, if they're six inches away from an uninsulated concrete floor in North Idaho, uh, I got news for you. It's, it's uh, <laughs> a lot less yeah. than 72 degrees. So. Right. That is not going to happen. <laughs> um, and then I don't, I don't, um, you know, I'm not a big, basking spot guy. I don't offer a lot of basking spots to anything. So, right. That uh, certain things get them. You know, if I'm taking stuff colder than I know some stuff wants to go, then I'll offer those species. You know, if let's say like blood pythons, you know, you don't need to take. You know, taking them to 75 is, you know, plenty. So, I'll mm. typically just turn their basking spots. Uh-oh. These, these, oh, there they are. Okay. Do we lose? Are you there? Yeah. Ryan, you still there? Yep. Kind of sound like you're in a tunnel. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, there you go. You're okay. <laughs> the, um, now, I do have another question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. Well, no, no, it's like just, the, I know you're. I know you were talking about how you, you said you might have, like, foiled yourself there with a few species, but it seems like as, as long as you were keep doing what you were doing, the White Lips eventually got on the same page as you. So do you think that that would happen with some of your other species, um, that everybody would eventually just get on the the train with you and do the seasons when you start doing everything for them? Uh, I think it, it makes some difference. I think statistically, mm-hmm. um, you know, it probably cost me. Like, I mean, I'm good at breeding, um, you know, the Indo stuff, uh, most of the Aussie stuff. But if, like, bread live, you know, if I haven't been able to breed those yet. Um, they just want to go colder than, you know, what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. for those, I'll, you know, this year I put them out in my garage for the winter. So um, wow. a couple of my... One of the Stimson's pythons group that I work with, you know, come from the same region as the bread lie and the uh, the captive breads that I produce just didn't show any interest in reproducing, which is really weird for Aunt Teresa. Um, yeah. And so I put, uh, you know, I put them out in the cold box too. So it, uh, we'll see. You know, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't breed diamond pythons how I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I probably and I, you know, I have to know my limitations, but and then you know maybe statistically I'm, you know, might not be as good at breeding wombs and blackheads and stuff. Uh, uh, you know, it works. I can, I've done it, but maybe right. I would have higher success if I was able to go colder. It's hard to say. So, just out of curiosity, when you're putting them out there in your garage, what kind of temps are you looking at, like as a nighttime low? Um, well, I guess I should preface that. I put them in a box out in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> if I put them out in my there. garage, they could get below freezing. So, uh, <laughs> I typically, I think I set it to where they could get to, uh, I think 65 was as cold okay. as they could get. 
Okay. Maybe yeah. two. The now, red light were on the bottom, so they might have. I mean, who knew, they could have got the sixty for all I know. Well, yeah. Where the probe? Where the probe was that? Was in kind of the middle area. Right. My other question would be, and then I'll let Owen take back over. But my other question would be: Have you ever had any issues when you were going through your phases of uh, trying to get these guys to go with um, any kind of respiratory infections, being that they are a highly stressed, uh, you know, high-strung type of species to begin with? Have you? Is, is breeding season something that? I haven't had any respiratory that... issues. Um, I think. I think some of the respiratory issues people run into with them are probably because they're keeping them too. They're trying to keep them too humid. There's mm-hmm. got to be a correlation. There seems to be a correlation of, uh, you know, if you if you're constantly too humid, that's a you know breeding ground for that stuff. Uh, I like think too hot and humid is probably pretty bad too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess I avoid that. But I don't. I don't. Typically, I only offer a basking spot when they're gravid. So. Right. They're already they're already back to not getting their basking spot. They got it first thirty days. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> uh, nice. So I guess it was okay. 60, more like fifty days. But. <laughs> okay. All right. Go ahead, Owen. All right. So I mean, once the female is like gravid or once you feel she's gravid the male stops going in right or do you just see enough copulations and call it or do you keep him in there until you you're you're totally for sure that she's gravid um well if you're if you if you really follow your snakes uh most male pythons are actually pretty good at telling you when the female's done um they'll usually they'll usually go into a shed about a week or two before the female ovulates. Uh, that's not the case as much with if you're constantly using like one male on a bunch of females, that doesn't seem to correlate as closely. But when you're doing one animal to one animal, uh, mm. my male, my male black white lip is usually the one who tells me when she's had enough. Um, <laughs> so they uh, they usually um, breed for a couple months. Uh, breed a lot. Uh, he'll usually shed one time while they're breeding, uh, but when she has huge follicles, I start um, feeding her real heavy. Um, mm-hmm. He'll usually, you'll go, you'll open up the bin one day and you're like, oh, he's in shed. <laughs> so yeah. it's usually you feed her one or two more times and she'll pop, ovulate. So yeah. Uh, and once once I see him in shed. That's usually a cue to me to try to. I think feeding them can help tri- trigger ovulation, so I'll feed her uh, as often as every, you know, five days. Little meals, try to push her over the top, and uh, she'll swell up, ovulate, and then he'll usually shed about the time she's ovulating. So. Wow. Okay. Good. Are you feeding him and her at the? I mean, or does he typically go off food because he's only no, he about eats. one other no, thing? He does. I, wow. All my male pythons eat. I hear all these people that, oh, my male doesn't eat. I don't, man, I don't see that. But I guess I starve my snakes. So. 
<laughs> my males eat whenever they get to. I've had males like locked up as females eat, and I didn't realize they were locked up. <laughs> oh, oh wow. no, I'm going to get that food. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so, uh, like, any special requirements for her once you notice there that she's grabbing? I know you, you said you were tempted to bump up the heat or something on her when you realized she was finally grab it. Is there anything else you do with her typically once you know she's good? Uh, once I know, like once I've seen her ovulate, uh, which is very obvious, uh, it, it does only last typically for about eight hours when it's really obvious. When it, uh, when it peaks, it's very obvious. Uh, okay. when, I suspect, when I suspect that I'm getting close, I'll usually check on her every three hours just to, you know, and it happens pretty fast. You'll go out there and you'll be like, ooh, she's big. And then you go out there three hours later, whoa, she's bigger. And then you go out there and you're like, ooh, crap, ouch. <laughs> she's done. That's it. And then by the next morning you'll go out there and you're like, huh, she looks like before she ever even started breeding. So it, uh, wow. that's when once she's done that, then then I uh, give her a basking spot and, uh, make you know, put her bucket back in there so she can fit in there. Wow. Like, it is, it's an eight-hour, like, window there? Well, it just, well, it peaks. Like, I mean, you can look at them and you'll know, like, that they're building, but a lot of people miss yeah. the, really the, the heavy peak of it because they just don't see it, you know. When it's like, I mean, when it looks like they swallowed a football, you know. Yeah. That only lasts for a few hours. Yeah. Like the really, the really obnoxious, painful ovulation. Typically, the holy crap! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The one where you're like, okay, I don't have to guess anymore. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> I know what's going on now. All right. But I'd um, say it's typically about a day and a half, where every time you look at her, she looks bigger than the last time, and then and then it culminates with the. Okay. Very cool. So, how long until? Uh, I mean, is it normal Python stuff when you realize that she's gravid is like to when you start getting uh, uh, prelay sheds and the actual laying of the eggs? It seems to be a little like white lips shed a lot. They they seem mm-hmm. like they shed more often than a lot of snakes. Uh, so typically after she ovulates, she looks like she's going into shed within a few days. Um, okay. The shed seems to take a little longer, so it's, I mean it's the typical twenty-one to thirty days. Uh, you know they shed, and then uh, twenty-eight to thirty-two days she lays her eggs. So it's anywhere okay. from like I think fifty-five to sixty-four days after ovulation to eggs. And uh, the eggs were like uh, size of a. Maybe a little bit bigger than a carpet pythons, or um, they were quite a bit bigger than carpet pythons. But the last carpet python really? I read was tiny, so that's, <laughs> I would have to. <laughs> I don't I know. To, uh, <laughs> I would have to preface that by saying the last one I bred was minuscule. <laughs> I can tell you exactly and, how big the eggs are. I just have to get on my computer real quick. They're a lot bigger than chondro eggs. We know that much. So, oh, yeah. Love the reason. Chondro eggs. I want to say they were 
what the eggs average ninety seven point three grams. Wow. Yeah, one year it was 97.3, the next year it was 109.8. Yeah, the first buck I had, the eggs were bigger. They've they've gone down in size the last two years. Wow. Uh, So incubation, um, obviously you don't don't let her keep the eggs. You don't do maternal. Uh, No, I don't take the eggs from her. Ironically, the last, there was a guy, um, I think his name was Cliff, on the, he's a green tree python guy. Uh, He Mm -hmm. had, I want to say it was 2012, he bred some black white lips saying he let the female maternal incubate him. I I, I couldn't do that. I'd panic the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he said he he did it because she was so psycho trying to take the eggs that, um, I'm pretty sure that's what he told me. <laughs> there was a picture. Yeah. He posted a picture on a forum, and it was like it looked like one of those old cockatiel nest boxes with that, you know, like that three-inch hole in the front, a wood box. Yeah. And there was right. a picture. He posted a picture of him shooting a picture through that hole, and you could see her looking <laughs> at him like, "I'm going to kill you," and you can see the <laughs> tops of the eggs. So. <laughs> I definitely admire him for giving her a shot. Um, yeah. I, uh, no, and, uh, I, I think he, I know he hatched some of them. I think he hatched them all. But I, I know he did hatch some. Jeez. So <coughs> the the temps for incubation, are we looking at, like, same thing you would yeah, do with Condor? Yeah. Normal stuff. 88, 5, 90, you know. But. Cool. Uh, I noticed, uh, I was going to say, I was just looking on your website and I was checking out the uh, some of the pictures you have there. And that one female that's basking belly up, um, basically, is that what you would have as, I guess that's your box that you're talking about, like your nest box? And um, yeah, I have I a question. That, that year, was uh, okay. I was using like a, a regular hide box just turned upside down. The last couple of years I've used a black five-gallon bucket with the top cut off of it. Gotcha. I have a question since you're a python uh, guru. Um, what's your thoughts <laughs> on why they bask belly up? Um, I don't. I think it might have something to do with just comfort or trying to get more heat uh, directly to the eggs than, uh, you know, I mean, if you, because they don't, most pythons don't like to bask out in the open. Right. Uh, so I, it seems that, uh, you know, maybe they're under some cover, and obviously the heat's coming from above. So maybe flipping upside down is their way of getting those eggs up against the warmest possible surface they can without exposing themselves. So I would imagine that your heat comes, you're you're basically using the best, so your heat's from above, right, not from below? No, my heat is uh, with heat tape from the back. So. Oh, from the back. Okay. All right. And my <laughs> and that nest box isn't on the heat either. So <laughs> I also think it must have something to do with discomfort because they'll do it whether they're basking or not. So. Have you guys ever noticed, um, uh, just in general, 
like maybe a couple days before. I've noticed with carpets, but I'm just curious with other species of pythons that they kind of twist themselves into like the most uncomfortable looking pretzel knot that you could imagine. Um, it's usually been a sort of a, a, a sign that like she's going to lay in about two days for me. Have you ever noticed anything like that? Um, for me, I typically I look for um, what I call uh, their their head under position, and uh, it's usually like throughout after the prelay shed they bask a lot and they'll turn upside down quite a bit. But a couple days or, or the day before they lay, I'll notice that the female's head tends to be on the bottom, okay, um, underneath the, underneath the tail and underneath the rest of the body, and that's when I know, okay, it's getting close. Okay. So I guess my next question would be as far as you, you have the eggs, uh, what's the time frame for them to hatch? Are they a um, longer time frame or 50 uh, days? I believe it was uh, 61 days and 62 days on the first two coaches. And... I guess my next question would be this, since you're, again, breeded multiple species of pythons successfully. You know, I've heard people say that they're lowering the temps um, as far as their incubation or incubator is set. What, what's your thoughts? Where are you shooting for? Um, I've done that. I, I've A couple of years ago, I went to a walk-in incubator. Um, uh-huh. So I have the uh, the temperature probe is in the basically in the middle. And I had it set at 88.5. What I was finding was my very top shelf was quite warmer, quite a bit warmer than that. Um, So I've backed it down to 88, and I get a pretty good range of uh, temperatures that way. So certain species I can stick closer to the floor and other things I can stick higher up. Okay. Cool. Um, Now, okay, so you've gone the, the... The whole distance of breeding them, you got the eggs, they've hatched. Um, any special requirements for the babies? I would imagine that, uh, like we talked earlier, hydration is a big issue with these guys. Is, uh, are we looking at sheds typical within pythons, or is it somewhere like, it's not like blood pythons, is it? No, no. Uh, they definitely, they go right into shed. Um, it's it's hilarious. When they hatch, they're completely docile. They, uh, they have these huge, <laughs> they have these <laughs> giant yolk sacs, and they are like so tractable and mellow. The first time, uh, two years ago, when my first clutch hatched, I was out of town, uh-huh. and uh, I told my wife, you know, you're gonna have to pull the babies, and you got to weigh each one individually, and uh, <laughs> put it away. And I basically told her there's gonna be a lot of bloodletting, <laughs> and uh, she called me and was like, oh, they didn't even put up a fight. They were perfectly mellow, and I. I thought that was hilarious. When I got home, they were still still like that. Uh, but basically, after that first shed, that's when they they uh, turned, so to speak. So. Mm. Wow! They became white lips. They have huge <laughs> yolks. They don't. They don't seem to. Uh, they they don't show much interest in eating for for a while. Uh, really? But they're not hard. Like Ross and Marchek writes that they're hard to get to eat in their book, and that is completely not the case. They just <laughs> If you put a lot when they're ready, when they've burned through that yolk sac, and when they're ready, and you put a live fuzzy or hopper in there, it's they're gonna destroy it. So. <laughs> 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 uh, 
They don't have they don't have to be up on a perch or any fancy, you know. I think a lot of people make the mistake of I think trying to feed them pinkies, and I I if I dropped a pinky in there, they probably wouldn't eat it. I mean, it's that's not that's a tiny meal that's not moving. Um, you know, you put a large crawler, or a, you know, small hopper in there, and they they're seeking destroy machines. In fact, usually if they don't eat, it's because they've grabbed theirs and killed it before the one next to them and then the one next to them makes a commotion and so they stop what they're doing to look at what's going on next door and <laughs> that's uh <laughs> they're easily distracted okay <laughs> yeah so i i typically uh if i'm feeding my baby pythons i'll feed everybody but them i'll drop their food in and i'll leave the room because if you're in there moving around they they'll grab it and kill it but if if you're in there and they can see you moving around they will Stop what they're doing to, uh, you know, to Watch be it. ready to fight you. you know? <laughs> gotcha. That's awesome. But... Okay. Um, all right. So, and again, no specific time frame that you're feeding these guys. Just uh, no. I mean, once they thin out, it's. Kind of, I mean, it typically. I think it was. Uh, I think you probably could have tried feeding them two weeks after they shed, but I don't think I bothered. I think I don't think I offered them food till I think it was five weeks, maybe five or six weeks after they shed. Okay. But I guess part of, that's I I think that patience comes with experience. A lot of people, I, I think feeding is a the human condition. We feel like it's a way for us to judge how happy an animal is, and so. Yes, it's uh, it's reassuring to us that they eat, and so we're the ones that want them to eat right away. And if they don't, then we panic. And, you know. Mm-hmm. So now I usually just go, well, I'm just not going to bother till they're good and hungry, and then they always all eat. So. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's a lot less that's... stressful that way, but I think that just comes with patience and you know having done this for a while. Yeah, and no way uh... they all eat. No. Not that uh, not that carpets and white lips are the same, but um, I follow suit with the same thing. Um, you know, if they don't eat, I don't I don't stress about it. And I've noticed that uh, some will go a little longer. I've had one go three months, no food. You know, tried it, offered it, didn't eat, and then all of a sudden it just turns on. Just oh, now it's time to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I just kind of. They're pretty similar, you know, scrappy, long, skinny little babies. Um, you know, the, black, the white lips are a lot stockier. They're definitely way substantially more than uh, or the southerns do. I haven't produced northern, so I, I understand they're quite a bit smaller, I guess. But What's I the weight on that average, average baby? <laughs> what are we talking gram-wise, average baby? Uh, I think it was uh, like 80-something, 80 grams the first year and 60-something the second, 68 the second year. Wow. They are big. Okay. <laughs> a, carpet's, a carpet baby's probably longer. Like, I think they right. hatch longer, but they, uh, my, they're not, they, they don't have the bulk. My carpets typically hatch maybe 22 to 25 grams. That's usually where mine yeah, I haven't. I I I bred uh, IJs last year, and that was the first time I bred carpets since I think 2005. So I don't. Uh, <laughs> it, it had been it had been a while. So. 
cool. Well, that's my favorite ones. Okay. Um, and anything special with temps as far as these guys? I guess I would tie this question in too, and and get your thoughts again. Being as the being a Python guru, do you start putting your babies into the same uh, regimen that you would have your adults in? Meaning, like when they cool down, do you cool everything down, or do you keep them separate and not give them a cool down? Well, when I first moved out here, I only had one snake building or one snake room, and so I had them. I had the babies in the same room as the adults, which is what I prefer. Um, the babies would get cycled right along with the adults, and uh, I would feed them all through the cycle. I never had any problems with that. Um, I prefer that method. Uh, currently, I have my babies in a different room because I just needed more room, and the only the only addition I could do would be it was a really skinny, narrow room, and so obviously baby racks are the only thing that fits in there. Um, if I had my druthers, I would have my babies in with my adults. Do would you say that that leads to better success? Is that because my thinking is is how I approach it is, is that they'll be dialed in, you know, by the time they're ready it to breed. It definitely does. Definitely. Okay. There's right. no, there's, in my opinion, there's no doubt about it. If you if you produce your most of your breeder animals and you've raised them, and they've experienced your conditions their whole life, I think there's. I mean, I don't. It it can't. It's got to be the best way. They know what they're going to get every year. Know it's just going to happen. Right. Nice. Very cool. So, uh, Ryan, we wanted to get your like opinion on the white lip situations that like that are kind of like current and stuff. Uh, with the black bays, uh, they seem there never used to be this talk of locality stuff until I think it was maybe last year or the year before when they started bringing in Tamikas, and now they have this other brand-new locality of blackface, white lip. Um, like, what's your take on that? Do you kind of, you know, are, are you kind of like, oh, cool, like, really nice localities, or is it it's a blackface, white lip, everybody shut up? So, um, I, I, I mean, I think it's pretty indistinguishable one from the other, I, I, and I don't believe there's a broken distribution. From you know, you're basically if you're saying the ones are collected near Tamika, um, that would be the extreme north um, west end. That would be basically where black white lips end as a species. They would they wouldn't they don't go any farther than that. Um, okay. The Tonam the Tonamahar region is north of uh, um, Maruki, and that would be the extreme east of their range that we have access to them. They mm-hmm. continue, their range continues all the way through the uh, Papua New Guinea side. Um, you know, it's the same species throughout. Uh, but as far as what we can get in captivity, Papua New Guinea is much like Australia. No, no import export. So everything uh, comes from West Papua. Um, I, I think it's, Interesting. I believe there's probably something to, you know, obviously Dan posted that video. The uh, animals mm-hmm. appeared to be docile, but I find it interesting. If you look in the history of herpeticulture, southerns were basically always considered the more docile species. So for people to act like, uh, you know, 
docile Southerns is a new thing. Kind of blows my mind, but I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. But that group that group seems to be, you know, exceptionally mellow overall. Is there something to that? Probably. But I, you know, I've caught rosy boas. I've never had a wild rosy boa bite me, but every captured bred rosy boa I've ever had bite the shit out of me. So, <laughs> you know, I want to see I want to see some captive bred babies. So. Yeah. It's, uh, okay. But there definitely seems to be something to it. And, you know, I think it's interesting, but I doubt that's the first animals to ever come in from that region. They'll just come in from wherever if anybody ever came in. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, now they're just actually telling you where. That's the only difference. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't. Exactly. Change. Now they're trying to get another angle on this. It, 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 we've always been bringing black face wet whips from who cares where. So now all of a sudden we care. So I don't know. I, don't I mean, like if it, true, if it proves out that they are more mellow all the way through, you know, captive generations, that's an interesting thing. It does. It's, it is. It's taxonomically, it's going to make no difference. There, there's <laughs> no. It's no subspecies or species like I've heard a few people talk about. It's uh, that's completely ridiculous. But, um, you know, it. Uh, yeah, I find it interesting. If I had the opportunity to get some, I might. I'd be curious if you know if it's a true that that uh, mellow attitude. If that if it goes through multi generations, that's interesting. I would like that, but mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, I've seen a lot of wild caught snakes that were mellow, and then the captured breads weren't. So <laughs> <laughs> time time is yet to tell the tale. Yeah, that is. True. My my most psychotic whip was a captive born and bred boy. That um, I think there's something to the captives. They don't they don't have yeah. the fear of us. <laughs> they, uh, they got mad. <laughs> they know the evening. <laughs> now, all right. <clears throat> I got a quick question. When these guys, uh, I was talking to Rob Stone earlier about you know white lips, and when he was talking about how when these guys bite, how they kind of like. Chew. They don't bite straight <laughs> on. They kind of bite from the like they swipe from the side or something. Have you have you noticed that as well, or is that? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I I would say that like is he talking about biting like they're biting him or biting food? What was he biting him? What was he <laughs> biting him? Biting probably. Him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I could see where if you were saying biting you, you know, most snakes that are biting you, you're holding them, your arms are either to one side or the other of them. So I could see where, you know, you would... But when they attack food, it's, it's you know, head-on, full yeah. force, magnificent, constricting ability. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my, uh, you know, both, even my, even my, uh, Northerns are are very. Once you get them out of the cage, they. I would let my daughters hold them. They're completely mellow. So. That's awesome. I wouldn't. I haven't had. I haven't had a real psycho one in a few years. So. And if I did, I just wouldn't hold it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch that one. All right. Yeah. Easy we all know. have that snake in our collection. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If they don't like me, I'm not going to force it to. So. Right. <laughs> Water python. Yeah. Yeah. But the I, I I know in something else we were talking about earlier was um, all the different I, I don't know I, it's kind of like some of the things out there say that there's 
a bunch of different species or subspecies of white lips. And then there was that one video over the summer, which I'm sure you probably got tagged in a million times, Ryan, was that red white lip? Yeah, I saw um, that. Yeah, like, what, like, is, do you think it was one of those species that we've never seen? Did someone no. soak a snake in Kool-Aid? Um, Possibly. Like, what was Possibly. All right, so it was just kind of like a... I, I actually, if, if you want to know my personal opinion, I think what Please. probably happened was um, you probably had uh, a snake bag or a pillowcase or something like that that was dyed red. Red is typically not a very stable color. Um, uh-huh. And you probably had a, a white lip python in there peeing on it and making it all wet and nasty and sitting in it for however many days. And... Uh, so if you go if you go on the assumption it was not done on purpose, then that was probably the likely explanation is that it just happened to be in a red bag of some kind that when right. mixed with white lip probably uh you know, rain, white lip pea, whatever, um, painted the snake red. Uh, or you could go on the assumption that somebody was trying to make some money and <laughs> actually actually dyed it red. I've seen people do it with uh North American colubrids. And so it looked exactly like uh, I think it was a speckled king I saw somebody do that with. So I'm yeah. sure once it's I'm sure once it shed, you couldn't tell. <laughs> we we saw somebody uh, or we've seen somebody spray paint a carpet python completely black. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's not <laughs> within the realm of <laughs> um, it's not within the realm of possibility of somebody trying to make some money. So. Yeah, but no, I, I, and I doubt uh, I doubt whatever the species that they think is red in the wild, I doubt it's actually red. Yeah. Red is just red. I mean, red is just not a python color. Pretty much blood pythons, and that's it. Pygmy pythons and red lie, uh, they are reddish at best. But, <laughs> the, you know, a true red like that is pretty much blood pythons. And that's it. So true. Red is okay. just not a... Python color, baby right. green pythons, well, I guess. <laughs> baby ones. <laughs> yeah, and even so. that, and even that, they're they're uh, seem to be you know wanting to lose that ability quickly. Yeah. All right. So now we uh, now we know, and everybody cannot get don't get too excited, people. Well, if it was so. really red, you'd still see it, right? I mean, people yeah, would still be going. Everywhere. Here's my red. Yeah. yeah. But you I don't. Animal, it, it, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. We saw the one video and we've never seen it again. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good exactly. point. <clears throat> if somebody, if somebody had bought that thing and had a red white lip python, you would you would probably see a picture of it every other day. So it, like, uh, it clearly uh, it clearly does not probably look like that after it shed. Nah. The uh the the white lip um what is it, the T-neg or T, uh, the the albino or whatever it is they're calling that thing. Um, uh, that's like the only morph that is, I get, I'm putting like big quotations around morph of white lip that you're aware of, correct? That, uh, yeah, they Pro call Exotics it. had an animal years ago that was similar to that, but they never reproduced it. Um, yeah. That guy has made heads, but he has not proved them out yet. 
but apparently, I mean, you can look at that thing and you pretty much know that's a single gene mutation of some sort, whether you want to call it a hypo, a T-positive, whatever. It's, it's, uh, I'm sure it will prove out once uh, you can get the heads to do something. Out. Yeah, the heads should be about big enough to go now. That would be cool. Yeah, that's a stunning snake. That's uh, pretty yeah. eye-popping. Man, I, I've seen it everywhere, so it would be nice to kind of get some more, and then they can tempt me away from more of my money. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right. Um, <clears throat> I guess uh, I would I'd be curious about um, what uh, – I know this is a little off-topic of white pythons, but what's your most anticipated uh, breeding of this season? thing you're looking forward to the most? Um, probably Brettles Python. I just want to check the box, man. So <laughs> I'm hoping, uh, I've had them for several years. And like I said, I never, I never took them any cooler and they never showed any interest in doing anything. So I hope that since I actually did take them cooler, the Maybe they'll uh, do something. So I'd like to check that box. Be get that monkey off my back. Cool. I love that. That's your answer because, like, you have like maclots and you know all that other fun stuff and you know. Oh well, I mean, I hope all of it goes. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> I want them all to go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, maclots are always fun to produce. Sabu is fun to produce. But I guess when you've done it a few times, you're looking, you're looking for that next, you're chasing that next high. <laughs> yeah, the, the the next one up. Yeah. So I'm chasing the when dragon. You, when you check <laughs> off the uh, the gold white lips off of your off your list, what what's like the next uh, species of python that's that you, you feel you need to tackle? Um. Well, any of the species that I have that I haven't bred, so that would probably. The gold lilacs. I guess I should I should revise my statement, and I would be I'd be way more excited to read the gold lilacs than the bread light, But I guess I'm I'm not confident in <laughs> in the gold <laughs> yeah. lilacs. So I'll uh, but um, yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, anything. Timor pythons will probably be. I'll probably really start uh, feeding them up and thinking about pairing That's them awesome. up. Um, Timor Python. Oh, how many hair scrubs? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Cool. Probably try them. Uh, so you know, onwards anything, and upwards. Any anything special uh, that you're doing as far as how hair scrubs? That I mean, that's one of those species that's kind of like you don't really. There's no information out there on them. They haven't been bred in captivity. You just mm-hmm. Watch and pay attention, or yeah, just uh, you know. Luckily, uh, the female that I got came in pretty young. The male came in just. I mean, I I thought I was throwing good money away when I bought it. I didn't <laughs> think it would live, but it uh, it's doing it's done really well. So I just uh, keep doing what I'm doing, and you know, my attitude most of this stuff anymore. I don't I don't try to do. I used to try to do a lot that I thought stuff needed, and now I kind of just do what I'm doing and, and hope it works for them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
Wow. Brian, yeah, Brian I, has everything I want. I mean, like we were talking about how I need to throw my wallet out the window before I buy a pair of Timors today. So, um, <laughs> yeah. There, that's, my, that's my favorite species to hate. Visually, I would have to put them as one of the most stunning python species. They're just gorgeous. From a visual standpoint, they just are, I mean, they're crazy looking. They look like, I mean, they look like a mad scientist, bad experiment gone wrong. They, they're, they like, patternless in the back, and they, you know, that they're like a brown patternless snake in the rear that turns into, like, a pixelated gold species in the front. It's just a weird... Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's Nuts. a very weird snake. I think they're beautiful. Uh, I, I don't love maintaining them. You know, they pee a lot, and they're, you know, mm. but I guess it's the... Uh, it's my third Trade time off. having one. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I'll, I'll stick I think it you out said this last time. time. <laughs> <laughs> you had traded them and then got them again and then traded them and got them again. Yeah, <laughs> if I could just look at them and not have to, you know, if I could have an employee just to clean their cage, then I'd probably have like 10 of them. Yeah, I keep telling Owen the same thing. He's going to get them and then he's going to, he's, I'm going to get the call. Dude, do you think that you would want these? <laughs> well, it's just, they're not bad if you don't look at them. You know, if you don't give them any reason to get excited, they're fine. But they, uh, right. if you touch them, they just start oozing. That's the same thing with Dominican red mountain boa. You you touch it and it just starts oozing out the back, and you're like, why? I don't know if they're as bad as those epicrates or whatever. I, I don't know. I've had subflavus and. Uh, you know, Jamaicans and Puerto Ricans and those things were, I mean, I don't even know why anybody's bothered. They, that that egg yolk nasty those? that comes out of them is unreal. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I hate so I have <laughs> mad respect for anybody who keeps those long term and can oh. handle it. I, I have nothing but oh. love and respect for those people because I couldn't do it. Oh, and the babies were, oh, God, I hated them. Uh, anyway. Well, like what, Tom Crutchfield and Jeff Murray and those guys got mad respect. Yeah. You can keep subclavis right. and love those things. Edgar no. Fortune, those guys, I mean. Hate them. You got my respect. <laughs> if, if the Timors are better than the Epicrates, I'll, like, I'll, I think that would be a step up in the world, in my opinion. So I'll get rid of them, and I'll be like, yes, these things only pee half the time. Yeah, so. I think. Well, I think it's 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 not that they necessarily pee half the time. It's just not quite as sticky and might not stink as bad. So <laughs> it's degrees of nasty. I'm, I'm sold. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Uh, get these things the hell out of my house. So, <laughs> but that's and, and it's the whole thing with sending the Timor's Eric would probably happen, but he'd just send me more liasses, so we'd be right back where we are right now. I mean, yeah. there you go. He keeps sending me messages. Got to know your limitations, time. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nah, I mean, I don't know. I. I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of like, – I'll observe them from afar. I think they're beautiful. Their head scales are amazing. Um, it's almost like retic-ish kind of without yeah. being a retic. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're really cool, but I don't know. I think it I think it would be like uh, my experience with scrubs. It's like when they become adults and they just want to eat your face, it's like, 
Um, I don't know. <laughs> in my experience, they're not too bitey. They just want to pee and flee. So, right. But, uh, I mean, they will bite you, but they don't. It doesn't seem to be their main, you know, detractant to messing with them. They, uh, they seem to much prefer to just try to get away. I think we. Uh, Good. No, I was gonna say. Uh, There's a question Something here. We got a, we got Something. a question here. So, so so KJ has a question over here in the chat. He says that he's heard that Timors are essentially an early hybridization between scrubs and retics when Oceania was all connected. Is there any valid is there is no. that a valid theory at all? No. No. Okay. No, that's Sorry, where I started as people trying to describe it, what a Timor python looked like. People used to say, "Oh, it looks like a cross between a retic and a scrub." But right. That is that is not not valid. I would agree. Makes some sense. Okay. All right. Damn. Uh, here all I right. thought it was like this kind of a show. It was like, all right, you know, I already I already know I really 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 want more white lips, so I'm not going to take away from the show wanting a new species of snake. And here we are talking about Timor pythons, and I'm screwed. So, you know. Uh, nice. It's well. all good. you got to have them all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baseball cards. How so. many species have you bred? you got to get them all, man. you got to knock them all out at some point. That would be awesome. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with myself afterwards. Like, eventually you, eventually you just hit the, like, eventually you're just going to hit the plateaus, which are, like, the I'm not. Yeah. I'm not even halfway yet. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do then? Just get another room and start changing. I guess. I guess I, got, I knocked out twenty so far, but I still got what thirty-five to go, something like that. That's nice. Awesome. Twenty. That's pretty impressive. That is impressive. Pretty impressive. Have you bred like uh, barnex or anything like that? Just the tannin bars, right? Just Nalta. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Just Nalta. Counts. Scrubs. Done. Yeah, I got a long ways. I think what uh, VPI, I think, bred 31 species. They're in the lead. So. 31. Wow. 31 species. Jesus. And I think the closest after that is 22, I think. So. Wow. I'm over here. I'm like, I have 10 that I keep. I can't breed half of them, but I have them. So I'm like, yeah. Shit. I can't even get out of the genus Morelia, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a pretty, you got, there's a lot of them in there. So you can, yeah, you can do, you can, I got to get back on the Morelia train so I can knock out some of those, uh, not, get my, pad my numbers a little bit. Yeah. Have you ever thought about getting inlands? You don't work with inlands, do you? A calf eye? Uh, no, I'm probably going to get some this year, though. Yeah, they're really you cool. Both. Yeah. I love those snakes. So underrated. Yeah, I got Darwin, so. Uh, they're, Speaking they're, of Darwin. They're way old enough to breed, but they're way tiny, so. Yeah, your picture's up to the them calendar this, this month. Yeah. 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 That's actually Ryan's month. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful snake. I love Darwin's. I think they're uh yeah, I'm they're looking forward to uh, looking forward to pairing them up. <laughs> do you think uh 
Are you going to approach them the same as you do, uh, like IJs? Is that going to be your approach? Yeah, I mean, I typically I'll I'll do the norm first, and if it works, great. If not, then I'll you know have to rethink it. But <laughs> I don't. Uh, I haven't heard anything to make me think that they're not going to breed you know standard issue ways. So. I've heard that they have Seems to like be a little red bit line older. and that are the the ones with uh, the weird diamond ones. Type yeah. yeah, and the diamonds. Yeah. Yeah, diamonds. Well, eventually one day when we have Imbricata, <laughs> maybe one day we'll be able to see what you they're like. You keep grasping at that straw, buddy. You don't get your one day, my friend, one day, one day. <laughs> I don't know when, but, you know, the German porthole will open and <laughs> on the other side uh, we'll pop out some Morelia Imbricata. And I'm like, oh, how did these get here? <laughs> So, yeah, well, very very cool. Cool. yeah. Ryan, since you work with like green trees and like scrubs, any interest in Carinata rough scales? I got a I got a ton of interest in rough scales. Um, I haven't pulled the trigger yet. Mainly, uh, I I didn't want to buy them from who was selling them, so it, uh, we'll figure out. Wait for some of the hobbyists to produce them, then I'll get gotcha. them. There you go. Yeah, I'm afraid I kind of, you know, I've had quite a bit of stuff, and sometimes the anticipation for things is better than the actual thing. <laughs> um, I don't think that's going to, I I do not believe that um, I will, there will be a letdown with Carinata. I, In fact, you know, given that my favorite species is their closest relative, I, uh, I'm sure I'll be head over heels for them, but, um, you know, I remember back in the early 90s when you never thought you'd even see one, yet alone have a chance to have one, so. Yeah. 20 years of wanting, what's a couple more? <laughs> yeah, right? No kidding. So the, so the last thing, so the last thing we'll hit on before we, uh, before we jump off is, um, apparently, uh, there's some fans out there that are fans of your Aru Python, Aru, uh, Chondros. Uh, any, ah. any, anything going on this year with your, uh, Aru project? Um, well, my, uh, my main female went last year, so I, uh, I was hoping that a couple of my younger ones would be ready to go, but so far you put a male in there and they just run from them, so. So it looks promising for this year. So I have a feeling it's going to be an Aru baby free year, but I've got, I'll enjoy raising up the ones from last year and seeing how they turn out, and look forward to a better shot next year. That's well, cool. the ones that uh, that are that you're growing up. Are you seeing any of the uh, the high white coming through on those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The two females that I produced in 2010 are, are off the charts. Crazy. The uh, one of the one of the ones that I produced in 2013 is, I would say, above average. And then I've got the babies from last year, so so be interesting to see how they turn out. So you feel you're cracking the uh, the code of the high white chondro, you know? You feel Uh, you're, um, you're. I don't know. I. I I mean I have my opinions on this on the matter. I don't uh, it's time will tell if it's 
correct or not. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah, they're cool. big. I, I find my favorite of the Condros to be uh, the Meraukees because I, I like the white stripe and the green snake. I think there's nothing better than than that look. Um yeah, I I love the uh, Marukis. I used to I had a couple and but when I started focusing on the Arus, I didn't want anybody to accuse me of, you know, breeding them together. Awesome. So I got rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> the Python police will get you. Yeah. Doing that, yeah. <laughs> well, and I want to, you know, I want to be able to keep all my babies and raise them up because I think that's a big key making sure you end up with the best babies to raise up again. And, right. Uh, I can't, I mean, I just can't in perpetuity keep, you know, trying to breed for high white stripe, high white this, high, you know. You can only do yeah. so much, so. Sure. I decided that uh, I wanted to focus on uh, those. But, I mean, I have, I've gotten, I've got the northern species again, so. Oh, cool. Fun. See what happens. Cool. Nice. It's been a while since cool. I've read the Missouri, so. Awesome. You uh, you can definitely tell tell a difference between those two when you see them uh, next to each other for sure. Oh, I yeah. think. I mean, you can tell. It was pretty obvious when I first got into it, but. It's <laughs> 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 like I uh, see one is a all yellow baby. Oh, whatever. Huh. Yeah. Cool. All right, so um, they, they will forever else? hold on to their one species. Uh, it'll be hard. I know. For us to, uh, I know. There was a big dis- there was a big discussion about that on um, one of the scrub scrub boards uh, Facebook groups, and uh, you know, you know, they're making a, a thing about you know breeding crossing species or localities and whatnot and. You know, my feeling is is that it's going to follow the same thing as um, what happened with chondros. You know, if if it doesn't make, I don't know. It seems to make sense to me that if chondros are separated by the mountain, and you know, um, you have northern species and the southern species, you have it with white lips. Why wouldn't it be the same with scrubs? Why would they be different? It I don't know. It doesn't make well, any sense. Well, they are different. It's just they have not been taxonomically separated yet, but they are clearly everything that occurs on both sides of the mountains is different. Right. Cassowaries on both sides of the mountains are different species. I mean, right. Almost every animal that's closely related that occurs on both sides of the mountains is a different species. Right. Right. That's what I was trying yeah. to argue with uh, with people, you know, trying to explain that at one point they're going to be different species, and you would have had mixed them, and that would be mm-hmm. no different than breeding a brettle jag, you know. <laughs> it really won't, yep. you know. But for some reason, if you breed a brettle jag or a carpondro, that's evil. But if you breed, you know, an aru to a bioc, that's okay. <laughs> No. Well, I, I mean, there's a different culture, though. I mean, those the um, the green python people for years. I mean, it's one of the most. There's been more effort probably put into that. If let's just say species instead of two species, there was more right. effort in her pediculture to for that species than almost any other species. Right. Um, but if you go back far enough, they didn't 
they didn't know anything about. I mean, they knew it was coming from New Guinea, you know, or Indonesia. <laughs> right. They didn't, you know, so they were lucky to get whatever they could get, and so yeah, they bred those point. animals together, and they, uh, you know, they created a whole captive lineage of animals that, you know, from just wherever they could get, and it wasn't until I think the early '90s that they actually started coming in and saying, oh, this is a Bayak, and this is an Aru, and this is that. And it, uh, you know, caused quite a stir because people, some people wanted those, and other people that were already well-vested in the green pythons didn't like it because they didn't want it to devalue what they were doing. And so mm-hmm. it was obviously a very concerted effort to, uh, you know, to basically, you know, show that they, there was no difference. There's nothing special. You don't know anything about them. You know, buy what we're doing, support us. And I do. I support captive breeding. I'm not I'm not against, you know, that. But at the same time, you know, you shouldn't, just because you don't agree with something or don't like it, don't necessarily uh, mean it isn't ruin, true. <laughs> ruin that, uh, <laughs> you know. I was, kicked yeah. off, I was kicked off of a forum years ago because I didn't uh, I didn't fit in my opinions on such things you didn't so. drink the Kool-Aid alright jeez <laughs> fair enough um, alright so if somebody wants to get in touch with you Ryan uh, throw your info out there so they can uh, follow what you have going on oh yeah I mean uh, I'm easy to get a hold of uh, my website is www.molecularreptile.com uh, I have a Facebook page. I have a personal Facebook page. Um, you're all, you know, welcome to get in touch with me any way you want. So, cool. So phone numbers on all the pages. So if you want to chat, I'm available. Awesome. Very well, cool. I appreciate you uh, coming on and uh, talking white-lipped pythons with us, and uh, I hope you have, uh, you know, a great rest of your season and hit that bread lie so you can check it off. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, Ryan. You too. Take care. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. <clears throat> All right. So, did you get your uh, white lip fixed there, Owen? Are you. Uh... Yeah, I did. And now I want them again. I mean, I, I do have. God, how many golds do I have right now? I have 1.2. Baby gold. Uh huh. Right. And then I have then I have this project that I've been keeping a secret from you, as well as everybody else, uh, for uh-huh. months now. I have one point. I have one point one adults, golds, that are what? together. And I I know. <laughs> so and, loser. Uh, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping for some eggs. So. I don't know. Uh, so we, I have them, and uh, I don't know. I am it, it, I am revoking. Uh, wait a minute. Hold on. Stop the stop the phone. You already revoked I, it. You already revoked the one. No, the I oh, am revoking your nothing. EB Morelia uh, <laughs> guest host discount card. No. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping things from me. Oh my goodness. I, oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Can't revoke that card. It's unrevocable. <laughs> you shut up. I have so, shredded. Um, oh my god! Anyway, we'll we'll have this argument off air. But um, <laughs> I'm hoping for them. But you 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 know, and you know, it's been like 
stuck in my freaking craw since that Tinley Park show with Chad um, where I don't have blackface white lips. Um, I mean, and I absolutely love blackface white lips. I have one tattooed on my body. I do not have any blackface <laughs> white lips here. So it's been this constant gnawing thing at the back of my head. So you know I'm not going to let another summer go by without blackface white lips. But then, of course, I'm like, I would also like another pair of rough scales. I'd also like some, you know, McCaffey. I would also like to eat maybe at some point this summer. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff, but white lips are so close to the top, and they're so cool. I mean, I remember taking you to go see all the white lips, and I'm like, aren't these things amazing? You're like, I love the berm, and I'm like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember that. that Stupid freaking berm. like well let's so let me like, let me I, let, let me recreate that trip uh real quick so you can get really an idea of why anyway we go into this room which is like what was called site b which but just they, upon entering the room has all the uh what i would call miscellaneous pythons that you could imagine i mean there's like the a, evil what, pythons a ten foot Meraki scrub in a cage and, Yeah. Um which I never saw a scrub that big as an adult. You know, so I'm like, Holy yeah. shit. Uh yeah, really and impressed the with that. Were there. Yeah. And, and, and he pulls and, out and the uh the other ones there. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Chris pulls out the uh, well your olive pythons were tiny at that point. But Chris they pulls were, out they were so teeny. Yeah. Yeah. He pulls out of that uh he pulls out a big, huge uh, white lip python, and it's just like, yeah. it's just biting him. <laughs> it's biting the air. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, we got rid of that one. That was, uh, I didn't like that one. <laughs> no sudden movements. It's you know, it's like yeah. Me and Zach are cowering in a corner, like, oh my god, <laughs> how are we gonna get out? <laughs> there were there were a few of them that were like opened the door and it was death. Now, I, and I totally attribute that to them being, we got them as adults. So, I mean, they had moved from place to place to place to place to place before they finally arrived with us. And they were all yeah. psychotic. I yeah. mean, right now, the three white lips that I'm raising up, the babies, the girls are beautiful. They're fine. They're, uh, well, one I got from Steve Tillis last year, she's a little twitchy, but right out of the cage, she's totally fine. The little baby girl uh, that I got from Sean, he's a breeder up here, who produced four of them, she's amazing. She's incredible. She never puts up a bad fight, never does anything. Then the male who I got, he's a he's a wild caught that I got as a tiny little baby. He's a dick. I mean, he's, he, he runs, he pisses, he bites. And all I can think about is all I need now is for one person like Chad to have gold-faced white lips this year, and your ass is out of here. <laughs> Get me a boy from somebody else, but right. it's it's just like that. Where sometimes it's a crapshoot, but of course, if it's a crapshoot and you get a nasty one, but you've been feeding it guinea pigs for the past three years, now you have this ten foot long evil like rocket with teeth, and that's what our gold face project was for yes. a bunch of years with just these huge animals that did not care about breeding and have these huge chips on their shoulders and just I, like the amount of stress that they would go through for them and me for cleaning because I had to move them out. And as I'm moving them, they're trying to bite me. They're freaking out. They, 
there was no way those animals were ever going to breed. They would never right. calm down. That, right. That's why I don't have any white lips right now, is we're still rebuilding that. So, but yeah, that was your first exposure to the white lips. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm like, what? Huh. Tears? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I don't know I like about this one. Yeah. <laughs> This, this might be one of those species that uh, I admire from afar. <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah, uh, so I was black faced whalers are going to happen again, and uh, so yeah. For me, uh, what's more. scary <laughs> is, is that uh, I was telling you before we came on the air, I'm in the process mm-hmm. of uh, of getting a house, right? So yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah, one of the cool things, it's funny, you know, my sister is uh is the realtor and um you know, she gave us she gave us these houses to check out and you know, my stipulation is what does the basement look like? <laughs> That's all I care like uh, what what is uh the basement mm-hmm. look like and uh how big is it? And you know, there's this one house, this beautiful house. The basement has all these like uh you know, like closets all along the wall and I'm like, well, this isn't going to work because I can't put cages in front of that. That's that's not going to work. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm passing on houses and uh, I'm just looking for that perfect, uh, you know, basement. Um, and my fear is this: is now I'm gonna have I'm I'm gonna be going from a room that is pretty much, you know, every corner of that room is taken up by cage space. And I'm going to go and plop that collection into a big, huge room and say, oh, shit, I got so much space. <laughs> That's a problem. You're going to do yeah. that, and then you're going to get a bunch of racks, and you're like, and where'd all this space go? I mean, yeah. like, it's, the way I have mine drawn up is I'm going to get two new cages for the olive pythons because they need them, and then I'm going to be maxed out on space again. Well, I've been – I don't know. I, I'm trying to put this in um, – in, in theory, it sounds good, but one of my approaches is going to yeah. be um, to – I did this before in my old reptile room is to have two different rooms, one that's going to be warmer mm-hmm. where I keep the uh, you know, the northern species and one that would be cooler where I would keep the southern species, you know, like diamonds and bread lye and yeah. inlands and stuff like that, um, and uh, a quarantine room. And you know, quarantine is always important, in my opinion. So yeah. that would that if you can get a quarantine room, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of like, kind of going to be my approach. Um, you know, it it may take a little while, but uh, you know, my fear is is that <laughs> just like you had the previous year, <laughs> moving and your season getting all mm-hmm. jacked up and yeah. All- up and I, dude, I'm still not a hundred percent in my opinion. Um, just because this this year I had a bunch of males that didn't go, I had a bunch of females that are not going or kind of going or don't really care, and I had uh, an, uh, had one or two RIs that hit some of my older males that never happened before. So I'm still not 100% on this one. So it's like I'm still learning. It's going to take you a year or two to get back into the swing of things, which sucks. Yeah. But, yeah. 
and, and it's funny because, you know, I was talking with Nick last year. And he goes, you know, well, what do you want? You know, I usually put in an order for one or two animals with him, you know, a summer. And he goes, so what do you want this year? I'm like, I can't keep it low. Oh my god, had a really bad season. He goes, No snake money. I'm like, No snake money. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get that fabled snake money from selling the babies. And he's like, That does suck and that will happen. But you'll recover. So you want the olive fight? I'm like, stop it. It's like, you know, there was he was kept going. So it's like it, it, it sucks, but you do you do bounce back. It just takes a bit. It's almost like relearning everything you've learned over the past three years, four years, however long you've been breeding. Enjoy. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting for sure. But I think once yeah. uh, once everything's settled in, you know, it, uh, you know, I'm there long term, so it's not like <laughs> I'm not gonna be going anywhere exactly. or anything like that. So my suggestion, and it's something that I totally screwed up on, is if you have a grand plan for the room, buy the house and do everything like, to a T, and then bring the snakes in. Like, dude, I was wandering around without a door for a while. And yeah. it's like, I really should have done that before there were animals in there. It's like, you know, do everything immediately. Oh, yeah. And then well, bring the animals. I screwed that up. Don't do what Owen does. Also, don't yeah, move them in the middle of a snowstorm. So. <laughs> I was talking to Rob about that earlier. I'm like, uh, so uh, so no. I've learned everything what not to do. <laughs> Owen's an idiot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man. Well, I mean, you know, you didn't really have a choice in the matter. It it's kind of no. like your time was it's time. <laughs> so you that, gotta that window do what you gotta was do. closing. <clears throat> yeah. So, but uh, no, I I I'm gonna have it planned out a lot. Uh, well, better. I hope. I hope. You know. <laughs> Because I, I don't want to be moving in the winter. I don't want to be moving in the summer. And and basically, yeah, I uh, I would actually pay yep. to be at my house because um, right now I rent. So basically, right. I would pay to be here Just an extra month to <laughs> just yeah. to make sure that uh, everything yeah. is up yeah. to par temperature-wise and all that. Smart. Everything was working. You can – yeah. You know, it's, yep. it's cool don't. because – we uh one of the cool things and this is going to sound stupid but these are the little things that I think about I have um from my from my work they have like those large stainless steel tables you know those are amazing you know, you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah well yeah. i already have i already have two of them because they were getting <laughs> thrown away and i'm like oh this is going to be so good to oh have a my table. god <laughs> you know like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> I told you, if you see any, like, big utility things, hide it. Just grab it, and I'll come down and get it. So, yeah. but it's like to have that kind of stuff hanging in the background to to, to eventually start doing it. Like, eventually, you're just going to – this is the snake room you've always wanted to build. And that's why yeah. I think moving for a reptile guy is ridiculous, or girl. Like, moving for a reptile person is incredible, because you sit there in that big empty space, and you go, oh, my God, I can, oh, the things I can do and the cages I can put here. And then eventually the voice of reason steps in and stops you from putting them in every single room in the house. But to make <laughs> the room that you're going to be doing your main stuff in the way you want it to be, what you've always kind of pictured it, is yeah. awesome. And it may not come together all quickly, like I'm, 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 like I told you, I wanted to get the utility sink downstairs. I'm still working on that and a few other things. But eventually, 
this will be the way I want it to be. So yeah. I have to another thing about putting it in a store and stuff. But yeah, good. Another thing which I don't know, I don't. I, I'm sure it's relatively simple to hook up, but you know how they have those yeah. hose hookups on the wall where you just have like yes. the hose and you take it off the wall. Andrew, and Andrew <coughs> yep. has one of those for his monitors, and I'm like, that yep. is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to find a way to plumb it, and yeah, done. Yeah. Hashtag Herper's uh, Dreams. You know, like, oh, oh I'm God. so excited yeah. about a sink. <laughs> I'm not Ooh, cleaning tubs in a bathtub. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But uh I think at that right. point I will definitely move to uh to uh more cages uh for a lot of my carpets. You know. Um well, I, I know just, a lot of you guys are getting on the bigger side now too, right? Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of uh animals that are 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 coming up to side. But even my even my bigger ones are not even really that big, but still, I mean, big enough to where it would warrant like a, a four foot cage or a three, three footer. Yeah. Probably even a three footer I could get away with. What are yours? Are yours three foot or four foot? I, I have I have both fours and threes. Okay, what's your like have, your main uh, fours? Well, your carpets. I have. Well, the main here's the thing: the boys, the boy carpets, as well as some of the smaller females, are in three footers. Then I have the remnants of what I used to do, and then I have my monsters, and they're all in four-footers. So it's like there are certain carpets that will fit in a four-footer, and there are certain ones that will fit in a three-footer. And now that I've kind of gotten to the point where if a male starts breeding, he stops seeing food regularly and stuff like that because now I don't need to get any bigger. You're doing what you're doing. Um, right. Girls, I'll like, get a little bit bigger. So I have some animals that are going into the four-footers. But, of course, there are some animals that are using the four-footers that aren't carpet pythons, like, you know, the Max. Uh, right. The Olives are in fours right now, but they're moving into sixes. So, you know, it's give and take, but mostly I have more four-footers than I do threes. But a lot of carpets can get away in the threes. So. Right. Yep. Cool. All right. Um, let's see. I don't know if there's anything else really to hit on. Um, I don't. I don't know. Do you got anything else that you want to hit on? Uh, I got a show coming up in okay. that Hamburg, and everybody should pressure Eric to come with me, so that he can uh, come to Hamburg. I think I am ninety percent into that. Like uh, oh. I have a little bit of a bump in the road with my work, but if worst case scenario, it would be I would be. Showing up a little later, but um, that's fine. Yeah, more than likely, I will. <clears throat> I will definitely be there. So, and then that's that. All I got is really nothing else I want to hit on. If uh, what do we got going on next week? All right, so <clears throat> next week is um, a possibility that I won't be here. But um, <laughs> oh my god, I, I quit. <laughs> I'm um, doing that again. You promised me. No. Yeah. I'm going to try my best, but um, I will be in Florida, uh, uh. Uh, and I don't, uh, I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, the show yeah. that's lined up is, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, is a Carpondro show. Wait a and, minute! Uh, you're going to leave me, and then you're going to do a Carpondro show. It's Bill, isn't it? It's Bill that's coming, isn't it? <laughs> yes, Bill is. Bill yes. is coming. All right. Um, and. Um, you know, to it, we have John M. and then we have John Battaglia 
will be uh, joining as well to talk about con our Carpondros. Um, oh my God! <laughs> love them, hate them. You know <laughs> what's your uh, what's the take what, on them? Pick your poison. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it should be cool. I think. I think it'll be a it'll be a good show. Um, but uh, yeah. hopefully, I can try. Even if I'm a little late to the party, I might be able to come on now. Later, so um, that we got yeah, that, and then um, the week after that, uh, my calendar in front of me. I want to say who's after that. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I know we have some cool carpet shows coming up. Um, the one I'm really looking forward to is uh, our friend Darren Whitaker. Um, Talking about the history on the Silver Pepper Inland. Uh, that's yeah, we there. can't have them, and he has them all. Yeah, yeah. So he hasn't yeah. even released them in Australia <laughs> yet. So um, again, everybody, it's, it's a whole show about how Darren has these things, and all we can do is look. Yes, bad show. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll I want be, them. We'll all be psyched we'll up. We'll be and, very upset. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, tune into that one. That's uh, first first week in March, and I think after that, That's sometime cool. we're gonna go uh, with the um, venomous show that we missed. We'll be hitting with uh, yes with Scott, um, and uh, that that'll be fun. Um, I'm I, I don't even know how to really approach approach that. Like what you know, like because. <laughs> What's important? What, what, what shouldn't we touch, Scott? Everything. Okay. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've never. Hmm. You've never handled venomous, have you? Mm, so you your dad yeah. had a bunch of venomous. Yeah. I've doom. Been, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Cobra as well. I've handled a cobra and a gaboon viper, and I'm still alive. But, yeah. you know, they're not King Browns. So, I mean. No, Australia is a whole added. other level, man. <laughs> you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a whole other like level. Forest cobras on steroids. It's like no. So, um, no, dude. So that'll be an interesting show. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So I guess what I would throw out there is that if you guys have any. Um, you know, questions or things that you would want to hit on, obviously it would be geared towards Australian um, uh, venomous uh, snakes uh, is kind of what God's specialty is. Um, We will, uh, we will get that in for you. Um, I don't know if anybody have seen the, uh, I'm going to throw this out there real quick. I got the new scales and tails uh, magazine. Which is pretty awesome, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I don't understand why people that are into uh, into Australian reptiles wouldn't have this magazine. Um, you know, it's pretty freaking awesome. Anyway, on the front cover is the. I Alpine make no comment Bear. because I'm one of those people. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> the albino. Um, what we have a caller. We do. I thought, yeah. oh, so isn't that what that? I don't know. You you have the control panel. I mean, there's people, Somebody but I think a message about a. Cur- Somebody just sent me a message about caller on the line. Okay. 
They want me to click them on? Eh, whatever. Ah. All right. <laughs> click. Nine what's going on, guys? Clicking. Hey, what's up? What? This is Evan. Yo, what's Ow. up, man? How you doing? You, you, I'm doing all right, man. I just wanted to... Uh, I just want to call and thank y'all, man, because I, I just love this show. And y'all have done so much for this <laughs> hobby, for this community. And, I mean, it's just great. The only problem I have is every time I tune in, there's some new guy talking about some different uh, different type of snake. And now here I am thinking, damn, I might need some white lips. Damn, I kind of want to check out a scrub. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, that, I can't, I can't do show. that. Yeah. Yeah, no, you can. How do you think I'm going to do like Owen and just throw my wallet out the window. Yeah. Well, you do understand, if you go back to the backlog, when we started this show, I had five Coastals, and that's all I had. So, <laughs> his hmm, coastal part, I'm pretty sure that... Yeah. His Coastal part has since, <laughs> since been revoked. <laughs> Shut up, you. And I've never <laughs> been around white lips, car. man. All I've, all I've heard is the bad stuff about white lips, but they're just so beautiful, and, you know, you can get past the biting, work with them, they'll calm down. No, yeah. but you can um, avoid the biting by not touching them. So <laughs> there's, then there's that. <laughs> there's that. I mean, you always just not not touch them, and then yeah. But there's they're, they're one of those species that all you ever hear is the horrible part of it, and no one ever really takes the time to bring them out and show you it. So yeah, go get white lips, and I'll and I do I do believe that I do believe that a lot of it's going to end up being kind of like the retics. I remember when they first started how how vicious they were and how nasty tempered they were. Mm-hmm. Once you get that captive breeding going. That, that viciousness kind of tends to, to dissipate, and it's not there as much anymore. And so I think once they get started with the white lips, they just keep breeding them and breeding them, and then uh, get those captive bred going, they'll calm down. Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, I oh, think that with, uh, with any species, you, you, you'll see that, um, which is awesome. So they are beautiful beautiful animals for no doubt uh but i don't know <laughs> it's like when you don't have and and here here's here's the worst part of it when you talk to all these different breeders and they get you excited about a species and then you're like you don't have any room so then you're like well, what am i going to get rid of in order to get them and <laughs> you know it's like you're in this vicious cycle yeah. you know oh man so I, but yeah, I just want to tell you guys thanks, man. And I, I appreciate the shows. I'm sure everybody does that tunes in and listens, and it's just full information and it's wonderful. And keep it up, oh, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate Thank you. that. No doubt. And uh, by so, the way, I, I hope you two get some plane tickets and make it down here April 30th for Southern Carpet Fest. Well, you know I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. I'll be there because I'll tell you what. Last year was a blast. Um, I'm trying to get Owen into it, but you know he's him and hauling. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Put me on the spot immediately on air. Yeah, hey, you're damn right. You're, <laughs> you're gonna miss out, man. It was so much fun, and I it, it kind of happened a little earlier this year. I thought we were gonna try to make it around the same time, and Bill kind of hit me up and was like, "Hey, let's do it." And I was like, "Let's do it." And it's starting to come wow. together, and I think this year is going to be better than last year. And Owen, don't miss out, man. Well, when I I'll, I'll hook up with Eric at some point recently, soon because we got to go over a bunch of stuff, and he and I will discuss it. And if I can, I will be there. Yeah, he'll be there. 
He's not going to be possible. <laughs> if I have to sell his snakes at Hamburg, he'll be there. <laughs> no doubt. Awesome. Go ahead. All right, no, guys. I don't have that many. Yeah. Cool. Cool. But thanks, Evan. Yeah, All right, thanks. man. Y'all take care. You too. Appreciate it. Yeah, you too. We'll see you. That's awesome. <clears throat> That's always good. To, yeah. You know. Sure. You know what, Owen? I'm 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 gonna vent what? a little bit before we get off. Oh, okay. I'm gonna vent. Before you do it, before you do it, pause for two seconds. Thank you, Evan, for coming on and telling us how much the show means to you. If you are a fan of the show, please go over to the ReptileReport.com and give us a vote for Radio Show of the Year on the Reptile Report. Voting, you can vote once per day for your favorite radio show. And we hope that's us. All right, yes. vent away. <laughs> okay. So I'm a huge, as you know. I have a two-hour drive. Well, actually, it's a, a three-hour drive total every day, right? Back and forth, to and from. Right. All right. right. So, yeah. <clears throat> with that drive, I have come to rely on podcasts as my mm-hmm. uh, way to way to, way to get me through. Uh, and yeah. it's even better when I have reptile podcasts. But man. Where's the consistency, people? Good Lord. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of all of the shows, you know, and I understand, uh, well, mm-hmm. I understand how much work, how much time, and how everything that goes into it. I guess the only yeah. thing I would say is that, you know what, I think this is just, and usually I don't say this, but I think we deserve a little bit of a bump just for the consistency. Would you agree? I would agree. Also, I would agree just in the sole purpose of, have you ever seen our fan base a week when we don't have a show? <laughs> We're yeah. like, something, like, something goes wrong uh, or, 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 or like the, the blog talks down and we have to cancel a show, they lose their freaking minds. And not because, like, we're the most amazing hosts ever, far from it. It's no. because they now have to go find something else to listen to on their commutes or they, or while they're cleaning or while that other stuff. It's like it, if, you to, if you take that away, it sucks. I mean, I don't listen to us. I, I can't stand the sound of my own voice. But, <laughs> um... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know. So on Super Bowl on Super Bowl night, right? On Super Bowl night, yeah. I'm I I was uh, closing my store, and um, because uh, I could give two shits about football, and the rest of my employees, <laughs> <laughs> they do. <clears throat> so I I, I worked the, the late shift so that they could uh, they could watch the game and whatnot. But anyway, Not I'm like thinking, Philadelphia all right, was in it or ever will be. But you know, that's just for that's just for Matt. Yeah, but from a business point of view, Philadelphia Steelers, it's all the same. Um, it makes no difference. <laughs> but you and I will have a conversation about that later. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, I come out. Um, I got to drive home. It's late at night. Usually, I'm in bed at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like I think I got done at like twelve thirty. So I go to bed at like 10 uh-huh. o'clock because I'm going to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. So anyway, I'm coming out and I'm thinking, oh, all right, right. so I'm going to have some reptile shows to listen to on my way home. Nothing. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Damn it. Damn you to hell, how, people. How, how mad were you and how badly were you yelling at your steering wheel? 
You know, I text Rob Stone, and I was just like, I just put (laughs) WTF. Well, well, the the, the Serial Podcast is back, and I know you and I have endorsed that a few times. I've listened to all those. The only other one that I listen to, like, (laughs) that comes out consistently is is Joe Rogan. But other than that, you know, it's like, you know, you get a special high, like, when you're listening to Reptile. Like, I get a lot of good ideas because there's a lot of good, other, you know, Reptile podcasts out there. And, like, when I'm listening to it, even though they may be talking about, you know, um, the species the species that I'm Something else. But, um, you know, they may yeah. talk about, you know, maybe the the hobby part of it, the breeding part of it, the business part of it. They may approach it in a different way that I, I might not have thought of. Anyway... You know, I'm just saying that if <laughs> I know from a listener's point of view, like I think the only other ones that are consistent on a regular basis that I see consistently and always bring it is GTP Keeper Radio. They only do it once a quarter, but mm-hmm. they always show once a quarter, you know, and although that's not enough for my taste because, man, I want to hear more. I understand that this is what they they can bring, and they do it consistently. So I appreciate that. Um, but I don't know. It's just kind of a silly rant, but <laughs> just like, come on, guys, step up the game. <laughs> and, it, it, and that's something you've been – that's something you were preaching from day one is the consistency and always making sure that an episode came out a week. Which is why yeah. when we have those like two weeks around Christmas, we don't know what to do with each other. It's just like I there. So yeah. I yeah. Mean, well, we don't do that. Uh, we only do it during the Christmas break simply because it's the only time that yeah. people aren't paying attention. You know. <laughs> no, no, no one cares. No, no one. They're cares. all they're they're all busy yeah. with their holidays and whatnot. And then when it's all over, they're like, yeah, Hey, wait a minute! It's, it's been two be weeks since. <laughs> Yeah, and it would be really hard to nail down a guest who was like, you know, can you come on the day after Christmas? No, no, no one's yeah. going to come on. Yeah. So, but yeah. anyway, um, yeah, give us Any give us some love. Show us some love. You know, we try to we try to make sure that you have a show every week to listen to. Some are better than others, uh, I realize. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, you're going to have – well, <clears throat> for definite, you're going to have a show to listen to every Tuesday night or Wednesday morning or whatever the case may be. Um, I think there's a lot of cleaning going on on Tuesday nights. A lot of snake cleaning happening I, I on think, Tuesday yeah. nights. I will be interested to see how many like, – because I will do my cleanings uh, in the beginning of the week and then in the end of the week. And then on Wednesday is usually when I scrub and clean all the water bowls. So it's like I would be interested in how many people do their cleaning around when podcasts and stuff like that come out, or if you would just rock to music or um, other stuff. I mean, like it, it just depends, you know. Yeah, I guess yeah. Wednesday is usually everybody's cleaning day. So <laughs> I uh, <clears throat> I remember, you know, I've said this multiple times, but you know, I used to get so not. Not mad, but I would be so disappointed when I would go to listen to Reptile Radio on Sunday going to work, and, you know, there would, wouldn't be an episode there. And for the most part, those guys, for years, were consistently on Saturday night, you know. It would be every Saturday night, oh. you know. Like, 
Um, so, I mean, hey, what the hell was wrong with you? <laughs> well, I was just following what they were doing, you know, and like, uh, like I said, so here's my advice. If anybody out there wants to start a podcast on reptiles, freaking do it, man. Don't let anybody tell you, you can't, you, can't. Yeah. you know, there's, there's, if you have a species that you're into or, you know, if there's uh I don't know if there's a particular topics that you think warrant uh, some talk. Maybe you want to just talk about your particular uh, breedings that you're doing and you have make awesome notes and uh, you know, I don't know. There's just, there's a lack of it. And I think there could be more of it and you know, you just got to do it and you just have to be consistent, you know, just be consistent. That's all. Half the, half the battle is showing mm-hmm. up. You know, <laughs> that's all you got to do is just show up. So when you're sitting there and you're voting and thinking about which podcast is the best, give us a little bump because we're, you know, the consistent cool. part. Of it. And yeah. and share it. Spread the word. We want to get the word out there to all the different, uh, you know, people that might not know about uh, Morelia Python Radio because what we're trying to do is just get uh, – you know, the guests that come on here are what make the show. Um, they're sharing mm-hmm. their information, their experiences, um, you know, with their years um, of, uh, you know, of experience of breeding and keeping uh, the different species that we work with, you know. Um, yeah. And <laughs> most of them do it. They don't get paid for it. I mean, you know, they'll get Oh, a no, we bump. don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know if they get a bump from... You know, I would imagine that everybody wants the species once they're, uh, you know, once they hear the person talk about well, it. Well, you and I end up. I do. Them. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Just, um, they get two customers just by talking to us, which is. But uh, yeah. Anyway. I, um, <laughs> yeah. So go over there, vote for us, show some love, and rant over. <laughs> Good um, job. Uh, for our website. MoreliaPythonRadio.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, as far as uh, you know, suggestion for a show, a guest, a question for an upcoming uh, a guest, um, you know, something that you want us to talk about on one of our um, Owen and Eric shows, uh, feel free to send it to info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com. All up uh, show. Um, uh, uh, Miss, uh, what would you say? <laughs> if we have misspoken on the Mistake. show or <laughs> said yeah. something that's wrong, Blunders. direct those messages yeah. to Owen McIntyre. <laughs> yeah. McIntyre. Yeah, that would be Owen at com because uh, that's an email I was given that I have never actually checked. So oh, wow. I don't know what's that's in there. Good. Yeah. good times. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> that happened. Yeah. Anyway. That's it there. <laughs> You can uh, download the show on <laughs> iTunes. Go over and follow us on iTunes. Um, you know, uh, that's uh, Facebook, um, Twitter, and like the page. Um, that's where we put all our updates or if we see anything cool going on or whatever. So, uh, mm-hmm. show uh, most of all, you know, just share the show, just get it out there. Um, Send it to uh, to your friends. Let them know about it if you think it's cool. Or if there's a guest or a topic uh, that you think was uh, was good, uh, share it up. 
that's all I have for that. As far as myself, ebmorelia.com. It seems like it's starting to get into the swing of going towards uh, winter, where maybe shipping weather is winter's over. I mean, so shipping weather might be a little more. Uh, uh, <laughs> you can do it, I guess. I don't know. What do you think, Owen? Is you, you, you're saying that as I'm looking at snow coming down at my house. Oh shoot! Did it snow? I mean, oh, yeah. Never mind that. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I got. Well, that, again, this is now that you and I are an hour apart. It's not like ten minutes down the road anymore. I, oh yeah, I got all day too. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never all mind. Right. Never. No, no shipping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cancel that. If you want anything from me, never you're mind. Have to meet me in Hamburg. <laughs> you have to wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or you can check out uh, check out the uh, the website of what I got going on, and uh, you know there's always payment plans, stuff like that. If you're interested in anything, I That's, this have. is the time to do it. Yeah. Yep. Be ready just for time cool. for shipping. Um, so Sweet. there you go. That's all I got. Cool. Uh, what you can do for me is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. We have all the latest happenings on Rogue. We have the breeding diary. We have pictures and bios of all the animals. Um, and we have family trees for clutches for the past couple of years. If you want to get lineage information, just go there and look up your pairing. If you don't know which pairing you got, you can drop us an email, send us a picture, and we'll try to see what we can do for you. If your pairing is not there and you would like it, let us know, and we will make one up for you. When I say we, that means me. So it's not going to happen immediately, but it'll happen. <laughs> um <laughs> What we got next is you can go to Facebook and look up Rogue Reptiles on Facebook.com. Give us a like over there. Normally when animals are for sale, they go on the Facebook page for a week, and then they're put on places like King Snake and Fauna. So if you are a fan of Rogue Reptiles on Facebook, you get first dibs on all animals that are for sale before they even go on to the website. So that would be the place to go. Um, next thing I got is there is a Hamburg Reptile Show, February 27th. Um, I will be there vending. I hang out. My table's right behind Matt Minitola's Billy Herp, so he's right there. Um, and then Jason Balin will be there. Howard Redding will be there. Eric Kohler might be there. I, I, I never know if he's going to show up or not. But that's a, it's starting to turn out to be a pretty kick-ass show when it comes to Morelia and Matt. So um, that's definitely, you know, if you can make it in the area, come check it out. Uh, usually the February show is pretty good. Did you say uh, Morelia you... and Matt? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I want him to feel included, okay? All right. I, yeah. <laughs> There's, Poor guy. Anyway. It's not like he has, like, 45 chondros or anything. <laughs> Are they breeding? <laughs> when, when he starts producing eggs. Then I'm gonna be, you know, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sometimes I just make comments. Sometimes I just make comments during the show to see who sends me messages on Wednesday when they listen to the show. <laughs> so, and that's been pretty. And that's been pretty good about it. If I mention him, he usually ends up sending me a message. So it's okay. Um, uh, anyway. Uh, if you are on Facebook, you can also go and give a like over to uh, Morelia Pick of the Week, where you can post any pictures of any Morelia or any really cool snakes you want over there. Um, and then people will ooh and ah all over it. 
The only rule is that you cannot have any for sale ads of any kind. If you put those up, I will delete them. That's all we got. That's all I got. So what we're going to tell you guys is thank you for listening. We hope you learned something. And we're going to catch everybody next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night. Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin and Marklin and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is it's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our Buy It Now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the Marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad. It also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buy and selling? Use shipyourreptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit TheReptileReport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder. Then visit ShipYourReptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related.